Welcome to Talking in Stations. I am Matt Arall, news chief for Matani.com, now called Imperium.news. Either one of those sites carries the same news, everything you want to hear about EVE Online. We have a new look, and um, as you can see, it's going to be a little bit of an experiment, and hopefully this will improve a little bit over time, but I think it's going to be really helpful. We are now on Discord, and so you can join us and join the chat in there. Later on, we'll have other ways of bringing you on and having you ask your live question. So, yeah, jump into Discord with us, and let's make this a lot more collaborative. So, we'll start with Ashtarathi. Did nobody hear me? I just heard you right now. For the, you mean I did that whole introduction? And nobody heard. I did not hear you on the stream. Oh, you heard me on the stream? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I I know what happened then. I know what happened, and it's okay as long as the people out there heard me. All right, Ash, why don't you introduce yourself? Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I'm Ash Tarathi, and what a way to stumble out the gate. Um, I am a writer for Crossing Zebras, and I am a podcaster with On Grid, Hydrostatic, Hydrag, and Talking in Stations. <laughs> awesome. Dirk. Hey, what's up? It's uh, Dirk McCurk, a uh, member of Sniggerly Endemic Legion. I am a co-host of this show, of uh, the Open Com Show, This Week in New Eden. I do stuff with TotalEve.com. <laughs> you, you were just Eat Mr. Eve pod. No, I had to, like, you know, at least try and get on Astorothy's game there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, all right, we have a couple of guests with us today that are... Uh, both very knowledgeable, and uh, we'll start with uh, Cagton, who's usually in uh, the chat there giving us uh, information. He's from, oh, I'm drawing a blank, Space Nerds? Clueless Space Nerds. Clueless, that was the keyword, Clueless Space Nerds. Anyway, how are you, Cag? Uh, I didn't hear are you guys hearing him? No, I didn't hear him saying anything. I agree. So in hindsight, the switch to Discord comms <laughs> might not have been I think we. I think there. that may have been me. That was me. Awesome. I was Go putting for kids in bed. Oh. I was a member of uh, MP Action Game. Oh, you are? Okay. Um, we are so... like, like challenged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Our last uh, guest is Thel uh, Acorn. He is from Test, longtime player, and also a writer and has written many, many articles for um, News 24. So, how are you doing, Thel? Doing good. Glad to be here. Awesome. All right, so let's get on with the show. I want to say thanks to Astrothy, Cagton, Fell, Dirk. Thank you guys for showing up. Let's talk about CSM Minute. Hey, they came out. Wasn't that great? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I really hope that everything's uh, good with Logi Bro. I know that uh, last week they delayed it. CSP uh, Guard said that he was that it had, was going to come out this week. And then we heard earlier this week that uh, it was delayed because Logi Bro was actually out of the office. So I'm not sure why. Uh, I hope that it was for good reasons and not bad. But now we finally have at least the first two-thirds of the minutes first two-thirds yeah well there's the there's the three or four chapters that are like heavily redacted so what they said is is that in the next two or three weeks there's going to be a lot of dev blogs coming out and then they're going to release the rest of the minutes that have been redacted 
Oh, that's nice. And that's a that is a huge change from years past. Usually right. once the minutes were done, you know, the, you know, the, rede- you know, the redacted sections never got blanks filled in. They just didn't bother. It was like redacted. Here's a picture of CCP Kitty. I remember that there there have been like hybrid <laughs> versions of that where where something comes out and then the minutes like they, they they have done that before where they've released the minutes in two phases before. But I'm pretty sure that they've never really gone back and made sure that everything gets filled in. But on the other hand, like it's very obvious that CCP is putting a lot more effort into taking seriously their institutions. Uh, the video that, er, that they released today was focused on the AT, which their previous, like the 07 show, focused focused on the AT. They're really talking. They there's even a section in the minutes talking about how they can communicate clearer who's on the CSM and what that means. Um, you know, as they're moving towards this alpha uh, alpha clone thing, and they're opening up their doors to potentially different markets. Uh, they're they're starting to take seriously. The institutions that that we hold to. I have to admit, uh, when you said uh, sometimes CCP just shows you a picture of a kitty, for some reason I thought uh, you meant. Uh, oh, who's the streamer? Crash Kitty? No. Crash no, there was Kitty. A, yeah. There's a like... picture of uh, what was it? I think either they used CCP Falcon's cat or there was like a ceiling kitties watching you picture in one year's uh, when they redacted. That's it, they right. Just put pictures in there. The, uh, I yeah. think it was last year that they had the chili recipe. This year, yeah, they, they did the recipe there. too. Oh, did they do it again this year? Okay, good. A chili recipe from Steve Renukin, by the way. You know who? I, look, I'm not saying you know that he probably can't cook or anything like that, but I mean he is from the UK. I don't know what their chili's like over there. Or... Well, I, I think not even UK, isn't he from Scotland? Well, he's from Scotland, yeah. So it's even like oh. the north. <laughs> sure, the recipe was a uh, honey roasted parsley. <laughs> but when you when you had the haggis. Do we want to start? Uh, do we want to start off with your description of of uh, of the video, the uh, the postcard from CCP Seagull? Because what I can do is I can at least well, link a link to this. And people shouldn't watch it right now. We're going to talk about it, but you might want to go back actually, later. Let's, let's we can let, we, we can, can talk about the the video afterwards. I think the video focuses more on what's coming in November. The minutes focus a little bit more on almost what's coming after November. We definitely got some information about November, but they were talking about how. Um, the roadmap for the through the end of the year is pretty much locked in place at this point, but next year is pretty open, which is kind of interesting. So um, that that was one of the things that uh, you, you know I kind of like keyed in on um, right there, r- right there from jump. Right, uh, like you said, um, CCB Seagull explained that the roadmap for the rest of the year is mostly set. That basically there's a lot of focus on the whole clone states thing, and of course what's coming out with with this expansion this you know yet to be named expansion in 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 november but then that fact that the road back for next year was very open though and i'm sitting there saying here we are it's i mean it's september 30th october 1st depending on where you are uh i i would have thought that there was a large section of next year kind of penned in already well yes and no so here's the problem they know a lot of things that eve needs right and so you could easily fill a roadmap of a year or two of stuff. And and they probably, you know, there are certain things that we know are coming sooner rather than later. Like, for instance, uh, drilling platforms. But once you get that locked in, once you, you create, uh, once structures have feature parity with POSs and the alpha clones are in, there really is an interesting question of what really is the next step in the priority structure. They're going to have this new PVE. 
that um, might be or that looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, you're going to have this new breed of players and a new kind of play style. And there's going to be things like they're going to be funneling into the faction warfare space. So clearly, probably faction warfare is going to need a revamp. But the interesting thing is, is that the reason why we haven't seen a revamp for faction warfare already and won't see one in November is because that's the kind of feature that you need to see get filled up first. And then you can realize what's wrong, right? Like every... Redoing the UI for for skills or making it so that skills make more sense or making it so that fitting makes more sense. These are things that you know you need to do before you introduce all those people. As CCP Siegel said um, in uh, the interview, she's like, there are things that are just about making Eve more accessible or as I call it, more good. <laughs> you know, um, but then there's a really big question of when this happens, what is going to be the biggest priority? How big of a revamp will Faction Warfare need? How big of a revamp is... they? One of the other things that they mentioned was that they didn't realize how big of a deal Intosis was, a psychology of Intosis. They didn't... They underestimated how impactful the change from shooting a gun to counting yeah. down a timer would be. And so there is a lot of questions of what's next. And so I actually like the fact that they've done a lot of work to like establish all of their tools to prime themselves to be ready to adjust for whatever it is that happens in the next coming months. That's the second time that I've heard them say, oh, we didn't really realize the psychology, like how this actually worked out there and stuff. And I'm telling you, that's the problem that CCP, if any problem has, and that is there are things they don't realize happen uh, that I don't think are just, you know, if we do this, then this happens. If we do this, then this happens. And the first time was when they eliminated the, um, when they eliminated the limitation on the skill queue and then people didn't actually, you know, get there. Uh, and so then nothing happened, their numbers went down. But also there's this and there's another one. And, and this is what I think they worry about with alpha clones, the unseen things, not necessarily the, you know, they're, they're looking at, the combat, they got that handled. They're looking at the gaming of the economy. They kind of got that handled. They've asked for some help with that. But the one thing I think they fear is the stuff they haven't really considered yet, like these kinds of things, psychological effects of mechanics change. Right. But I, I definitely want to stress the fact that the fact that they don't know these things and the fact that they're not anticipating these things doesn't necessarily say anything about them as... No, 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 no. I'm not saying anything well, bad about it. I know, them. I know you're no, not. No, no. I know you're not. Yeah. But I'm specifically, I'm saying the 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 opposite. I'm saying that you know these guys are incredibly good designers, and these kinds of things you stumble upon is a big deal. You know, I've I've seen it in gaming space, and I've I've experienced it. Actually, I just ran an alpha, and I was like, I didn't realize how big of a deal this this feature would be. So I need well, to build I, it. I think it goes beyond normal game design because this game is so niche. Right. Like, why did it succeed are the reasons that you might accidentally kill off when you try to make it like a normal game, which yes. is what I've been trying to say about the ownership society versus the play-the-game-for-fun society. It's and I think that that's, that's why Siegel is really focusing on communicating with us. You know, that's why, like, in the, as we were getting ready for the interview, she, she said that, you know, she wanted to talk to the eve podcasting community and the eve community more than like kotaku or anything because we're the ones that matter and i think that that mentality this uh, this notion that they don't truly understand the lightning in the bottle that they have 
but it's their job to fucking figure it out. Excuse me. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, I think, their role. Thal, hmm. uh, did you have... It's hard to, like, anticipate all the problems, because, like, EVE is such an emergent gameplay, and nobody really knows what, like, the players are going to do. So it's even if CCP can like map map out all the economic effects and all the changes that Alpha Clones will bring, it's up to what the players do to whether or not it's going to succeed or not. Well, that's the problem. I think it's the problem and the blessing that Eve has is that it's such a it's such a like player versus player environment, and not just in combat, but in many things that when when you tweak something, you're not sure how a certain class of players is going to take it. Yeah, but this has always been a big thing for Eve. Like, people who study the economy of Eve, people doing studies on, on the people who play Eve. Like, this has been a frequent thing that has come up in, in the Eve Online universe because it is so unique. And I think that, in a way, Eve has a function in humanity, as it were, as being this kind of simulation that can be looked at and studied and learned from. So, you know, it, the thing is, is that CCP is answering questions and solving problems that no one has ever had to solve before and potentially discovering things about human behavior that no one has actually been able to process on a large enough scale, which is one of the, re the reasons why it's really exciting to have people like CCP ghosts on their team. Oh, that is kind of a study in how horrible people can be to each other also. Horrible and wonderful, though. Like oh, yeah. the best and worst. Like uh, in a, it, we can say that people say that, and it sounds all fruity, but in a very real way, like some of the best and worst behaviors come out in Eve. Because it's like the real world. <laughs> yeah, it's like the real world, but it's it's a real world in which you have a certain amount of um, insulation from your consequences. Not complete insulation. But enough that you can watch it play out, and if you need to, you can just flush it and try again, right? Um, so you know, if you want to ever, if you've ever wanted to try market manipulation, if you ever wanted to try scamming people, if you ever wanted to try I, confidence tricking, you know, these. I wanted to be uh, good looking and cool. Well, you can make your avatar however you want. <laughs> can, a, can I do that? An amazing avatar. Actually, I wanted to be really heavy. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think the avatar maker lets you be heavy. You're gonna no. have you're gonna have some problems. Now, you know, again, here on this EVE roadmap section, I did want to bring up where, because here, almost right off the bat, they begin to talk about the new player experience. I know that that is something that a lot of people out there are are uh, very much focused on right now because of the Alpha States thing that's coming out. We've all said that the new player experience needs to change. I mean, the new player experience is something that has needed to change ever since the, ever since the first new player came into the game, basically. But... Um, one of the comments that she makes here, uh, because Sullen brought up, you know, that that the NP, uh, NPE needs to be in a better state for the release of Clone State. Seagull elaborated on how CCP places emphasis on the number of players in the game as an indicator of the health of the game, which I think is interesting because a lot of us yeah. kind of, you know, place an emphasis on that. So at least they well, well, actually, some of us wanted to say let's get away from that, but here she is admitting that that is a health measure of the game. Well, well it, it's one of the it, things behind Alpha, right? That the more people you have out there doing, th the more people you have out there doing things, uh, the more activity there is, the more chance for encounters, the more I, all these things. I know, but how many times have like podcasters? We've all made excuses about well, those numbers don't really represent the right. game because it could be you know but accounts and. 
there's two different value points, right? There's the value point that CCP is going to be caring about this and the value point that we have you cared about when we make those arguments. When we say, oh, CCP is, or EVE is dying, look at the numbers, you know, all that stuff. We're usually thinking about it from like an economic point of view, right? Like, like those lower numbers, we're trying to suss out the subscription values and all that kind of stuff. This is purely looking at it as points of content within the universe at any given point of time, right? I, if we can just make sure that there's more things happening, then we can make sure that the game itself is more interesting. And that's why it's an important metric. So it's not about uh, the health of the business, but it's more about the quantity of quality of, of, of content within the game. Well, and, and I think that Go people, ahead. okay. I think that people use it for both reasons, actually. I think that they use it to sit there and they, you know, and have those conversations about, oh, look, there's not as many people logging in. I bet you there's not as many subscribers, and oh, that's bad for ETH. But on the yeah, flip and, side, and I don't want to invest also, in it, basically. Well, you know, on the flip side, there's also using those numbers to corroborate, you know, anecdotal evidence and like your own feelings about what's going on, right? That that if you feel as though there's less activity going on in the game. Um, and you're seeing a decline in those numbers, you begin to correlate the two. Well, I think it's an important question, the health of the game and the, even just the vibe of like, is the game getting better or getting worse? Because people make long-term investments in this game that you wouldn't make in other games. Well, maybe in other games, but here you're talking about buying up hundreds of Plex for people on the higher end, you know, but the other one is the learning curve. Somebody has no money in the game and they're just like, do I really want to learn all this stuff if this game is on its way down? So there's, they, it kind of has like, we all worry about the health of the game and the health of the company. So when she says, hey, it is an indicator, we're like, okay, we can take it seriously now. We won't make excuses for it. Well, but, and it's, gonna, that was it's going to change in its value as an indicator as soon as the alpha clone co uh, comes out, right? Because it's no longer going to be solely an economic, it's going to basically be only really able to be judged as a how much crap is out there, which is what it really should be used for, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, right, right after she talked about, it, I didn't want to get you know all off on the on the yeah, indicator sorry, of the health of the game, but she goes on to also explain that there has been a cut, and this is where I, I want to caution people about about um, managing their expectations regarding whatever you think the coming new player experience might be or might evolve into or whatever. And that's this next statement where she also explained that there has been a constant attempt to improve the new player experience with no dramatic difference in results. So, so mind you, it's not that the new player experience has never been adjusted over time. It's what they found is that even with the adjustments they've made, the changes they've made, right, that that, that, that was never the driving factor of what caused people to stick around. Right. Yeah. At least, the, at least the changes, but, right? You know, you know, so it's almost like the education system. You can sit there and like, you know, say, well, we made all these changes in education. We've thrown all this money at it, but guess what? We're not getting uh, test scores to change or we're not getting, you know, the achievement gap closed or whatever. Right. But here's what's important. They're saying that the, the methodology in which they have fixed the new player experiences in the past, which I think I've been through three different iterations of the new player experience since I've joined. Yeah. Um, and I, I make it a point that every single time they do it, I go back through and I, I go through the new player experience because, uh, actually before I was a podcaster, I was a recruiter for the game. So I'd convince my friends to come play and I get plex from buddy, buddy, uh, buddy things. So I, I'm used to people, you know, trying out the game and what they do and don't like and what they do and don't stay for. And, um, actually when I ran for CSM, the, uh, the new player experience was one of my platforms and rebuilding it to being almost exactly what it is here. Uh, is pretty close to what 
I even I, I described. Mine was like pirates because back then drifters didn't exist. But the same kind of on, uh, concept where, you know, you you get wrapped up in this story that teaches you all of the pieces that you need in order to get through it, and then in the end, kind of pulls the 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 carpet out from underneath you and says, "Okay, now go." The problem is, is that if we teach, if we do our tutorial as a sandbox, then you uh, have a significant chance of confusing your audience. And uh, I know that I understand that the the arguments have always been that Eve is different, and we need to teach that Eve is different. And I agree with that. But the problem is, is that when you want to get somebody hooked, you have to start where they are. And in this case, you have to make it so that the entry point in your game at least looks similar to entry points that they have experienced before. Not because you're teaching them that that's the kind of game it is, but you're giving them enough familiarity to make them feel like they can learn what you need to teach them. What happens is, is that people go through the tutorial process and feel that they have become confused or not given the pieces that they need to be to, to figure out what they need, and then they just drop out and they don't finish it. A lot of people don't even make it to the career agents or, or certainly not through the career agents because the career agents themselves are boring. We recommend that you do them because they're valuable, but they're only valuable to someone who stays in the game. By changing the MPE to a narrative-driven experience, you're giving the player reasons to want to play and then basically say, hey, you remember that awesome story that you just did? Now go make your own. And that <laughs> is the kind of new player experience that we need. And that is where I think you probably need to chime in on, on what was said in that video related to the new player experience. Yeah, so in the video, uh, CCP Siegel has revealed, and, and some of our data mining has already kind of, we, we were wondering what these things were going to be for. So now we have kind of more of the missing pieces. But NPC, MPE experience will now be a story. You are waking up at the, uh, at the wake of a fight. So presumably we're already you're already in Imperia and you, this was like your first go and something went wrong, which is why you don't remember much or something. So you wake up in the after the fight and you have to get up to speed and you have to get ready to go because the drifters are attacking. Uh, the drifters are, of course, the emergent threat uh, that has been building over the last year or two since the Caroline Star event. Um, and so depending on whichever race you're in, there's now a military commander who will lead you through this experience, this incredibly narrative, voice-acted experience that will show you what's going on and culminate in a drifter versus your faction fight. And then, from my understanding, will then direct the player towards other opportunities, in particular faction warfare. Uh, yeah, and I thought that was pretty interesting because that fits right in with the alpha changes. Having an alpha clone allows you to participate in faction warfare pretty effectively. Wouldn't you say, Thal? Yeah, uh, like, <clears throat> for alpha clones to really make money, which you need to, if you're going to do anything in need, they can either biplex, but if someone hasn't really got the financial incentives to subscribe yet, they also don't really have a reason to pay money to buy Plex. And with the limited skill set that they can use, Faction Warfare is really the best way. Because even now, you can just do it with a day one alt and just farm Plexes. Uh, the LP, the value of um, the LP is going to be really volatile, which, and because there will be so many Alpha clones, it's going to have a big effect on the market. 
Hmm. I wonder about that. Um, people have speculated it's going to go up in the long term because people will every once in a while need to turn that character into an Omega so that they can do a little bit more than they're doing. They might move him someplace as an Alpha, but then they'll say, like, ah, I need to light the sign up. Oh, I'm sorry. You like roboted with a guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the Matterall mix. Um, yeah, but they might say, I'll move the alpha, you know, because I need to put him in this position and then say, oh, you know what? I need to light a sino. Forget it. I'll just, I'll pay a plex. And, you know, plex might actually go up because all these little use cases. I think eventually plex will go up, but I'm just saying that the alpha clones won't have the incentive to buy plex for ISK because they haven't chosen to subscribe yet they're not at that well they're but you're presuming they're new alphas i guess like you're talking about new alphas there's there, there's actually an interesting problem with faction warfare um that hasn't really been a, that might come to play which is very similar to what you're saying which is that to make isk in faction warfare generally involves one of two things level four missions which almost exclusively is done by equipment that can only be piloted by omegas and the LP store. When you do plexes and all that stuff, which is where most faction warfare guys make the majority of their uh, ISK, um, it only gives you LP, not ISK. And the LP store actually costs ISK to transform things and to buy stuff with the LP. So there is actually an, an, an initial investment which is actually a non-trivial amount for a new player. We've actually run into this problem many times with, with new players coming into our war zone where they have LP, but they don't actually have the, the ISK to, uh, to, buy anything? To, to front load, to start the process. Um, now, one could argue that that's not actually a bad thing that drives you to go to other people who can give you, a, you know, what, what is to them measly you know, 10, 50 million ISK loan. To you, that's enough to bootstrap your your process, um, but that helps create. Because I think that if everybody just joins faction warfare by going into the general militias, then that will be less than optimal. If if what happens is is that the militias themselves pick up, like uh, our corporation is is working to become, you know, self promotion is working to become the premier Al Galente Alpha clone um, organization. We uh, will create stuff to support Galente Alpha Clones specifically. Um, and I think that if the more organizations are ready to kind of engage these people, then we're going to be in good shape. If they're, if they're treated like outsiders or if they try to just kind of join in and do whatever, those people that stay in the general militia and don't find organizations don't generally do well. <laughs> oh, here's a question for you, Ash. Can your uh, faction warfare character go to Jita? No. So that was something that came up, right, Kag? Yeah, they were talking about making standings. There's a mention in the minutes about making standings matter again. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I can't go to Jita because I'm an enemy of the state. If I actually drop Faction Warfare, exactly. there's a pretty good chance that I could go to Jita. Because even though I've been in Faction Warfare for three years, I'm pretty sure as long as you don't grind level four missions like all the time as your means of getting ISK, you can actually stay in Faction Warfare for quite some time without jam damaging your standings very much. So what, you just get your Alpha Hall Alpha Galenti Holler all to go to right. Jada for you. Yeah, and, and <laughs> you know, most, you know, like, for instance, our corporation offers free transportation in and out of the war zone. So you just, 
you know, I don't even, I, I actually have a, Cal a Caldari dude in Jita. He's even in the corporation, but he never leaves Jita. He just throws in contracts through our freight system to wherever it needs to go. So, I mean, there's definitely ways around that. Um, I, I think that the other piece that needs to be noted is that these alpha accounts can also be considered kind of throwaway. One of the things that people are concerned yeah. about is like, oh, well, the Galente clone is going to be better than the Caldari clone. Yeah, but it's not a zero-sum game. You can have all four. You can have ten of each if you wanted to. You could have an entire account that's just for this one Galente uh, faction warfare dude if you wanted to. In fact, I know that, that 21 yeah, Yes and no, though, but they don't start out with all their skills intact. Right. You have to, like, trickle them up. And that's what I was about to say. 21 days before the expansion opens. I probably shouldn't be giving out my secrets, but uh, 21 days before the expansion opens, I'm going to open up a new account on each of my uh, guys with the 21-day free trial. And so that way, I train at full Omega speed, and then it ends the day that um, alphas come out, and then I just train the rest of the way in alpha speed. Now... In in this, you know, because look, you know, we're half an hour into the show, and we're like uh, not even not even out of the uh, Eve roadmap section here. It's all right, it's my fault. We're totally all over the place. Go ahead, Dirk. Well, 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 no, because the road, you know, this roadmap section actually brings up a couple of things that then get brought up again in some other areas. Uh, um, and this, you know, and this next thing here is one of those. The CSM also brought up the topic of attributes and remapping with the entire CSM in support of removing, remapping, and encouraging this change to be made sooner rather than later. The entire CSM is wanting to remove remapping. Um, do they explain the logic behind that? Because I haven't heard that even in popular discussion. Um, I, not in this section. I'll have to skim through to see which they, section oh, it comes up again. The only thing I've heard about uh, remapping is that nobody uses it uh, very much. A lot of people and use I guess it. skill skill injectors don't very effective because you only get once a year. So my well, but wait, now it's actually obsolete because really what people are going to do is inject their skills. Probably even the higher end people will probably inject uh, skills that they need, and they would just need you would just need to seed your character on the the fastest training for whatever, and those are the skills that you train so that you can harvest that. Uh, stuff. Well, so, okay. The the reason why I think that attributes are really important is because it teaches people to think long-term. It's the first piece of the challenge where they say, I need you to make a decision about what you're going to be doing in a year from now in this game. And so I think in that sense, I personally feel that attributes should remain a thing. I have always said that the big thing that attributes need is just a big button that says reset attributes. You can always go back to neutral, so that way people don't feel like they're being punished if they do it wrong or something like that. You, you can always. But go back but to then, them. so what is the point of them? And that's probably why they're removing them. If you can so move the point anywhere you. Well, no, it, no, no, it, no, 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 no. And, and it didn't say here about removing attributes, which is an entirely different conversation that I know exists out there. Not attributes, but the, uh, but the changing of the attributes. Yeah, remap. Right. So my, my thought was um, that, well, I guess if, my thought was if you have a remap every year, then that teaches people to plan out a year. But what you do is you just have a button that always resets it back to neutral. It doesn't give you back your token. You still only get one remap a year. It's just you can also go back to neutral. Like if you... Oh, you can only game, specialize one. Yeah, if you go back, if you get into the game, make a new character, and you're like, oh my god, I'm going to be a leader. Charisma. And then you're like, oh, oh, I've, I've just totally ruined my character for the next year. Now you can go, no, you can you can at least go back to neutral. And that's, that's the big change that I think needs to happen. But uh, what's interesting that I noticed is in the new UI, the attributes are hoverovers 
for the different skill types. So if you hover over the skill, it shows you those attributes, which does two things that are, I think are both amazingly clever for the UI design. I know a lot of people have given crap to the, the UI for the uh, character screen, but this part I really like for two reasons. One, it makes the attributes a little bit more in your face. It's very difficult to right now kind of conceptually grasp how attributes affect your skills. There's nothing that teaches you that. Um, and this makes it a little bit more obvious. But also what's interesting is that because it's a pop-out, if they decide to remove attributes, which they have talked about doing since at, for a while, in fact, I think Rise at uh, Vegas told me that he wanted it to be to remove attributes, and I actually wrote a thing in Kate, you know, in uh, an argument for uh, in the in, in support of attributes, excuse me, um, in response to that. But uh, yeah, but if you do remove it, then all you just have to do is make it so that that. A pop-out screen doesn't appear anymore. That hover-over doesn't happen anymore, and then suddenly there's no more attributes. Tal, did you have something? I think I yeah, so it, it doesn't anywhere actually explain what their thinking is um, with this. It just brings it up, and and later on, uh, literally, it's in Team Psycho Sisters section where it says the CSM reiterated their idea to see remaps removed. Um, so it really comes down to the whole remap thing. Now, you know what the logistics of that would be, right? Because you've got all of these players that exist out there now with their maps. I mean what would it go to if they were to if they were to do this this is one of those things where there's just not a whole lot of like kind of meat on the bone that's in this minute yeah i also want to respond to people that are comparing it to learning skills there's a significant difference between removing learning skills and removing attributes altogether learning skills were not a reward for planning they were a reward for training you had to train before you trained and what that meant was that it was a a non-option because you just you had to do it and two it was a check in the box that didn't give you anything besides just, okay, now you can train now. And so it was removed for that reason, whereas attributes do have a mechanical value and the process of, of assigning attributes and saying, I do want to train these skills over these skills for the next period of time. Um, and I have the stability to make that decision. That uh, is a far different can of worms just because they're both related to attributes does not mean that they're the same thing removing removing them are the same thing i personally think attributes should go as far as training time goes i think they should be tied to something else i think when you wrote your article you had them tied to something else if i recall um i don't actually remember i uh <laughs> no i i think uh anyway so i you know i i've evolved on my feelings about it honestly I, if they have to be removed for the simplicity of the game, I think that the game has changed enough that maybe that mechanical lesson isn't as required anymore. I think Alpha Clones kind of changes our thoughts about what it is like to set goals in EVE. So, um, and I think the idea that it's like, well, you have an Alpha Clone, and in six months your Alpha Clone will be fully trained. What do you want to do then? That already gets you starting to think about the long term. So it may be possible that attributes just instead of going through the effort of making them viable, just deleting some code and calling it good. Standings, on the other hand, standings need to stay. Well, yeah, those are that's an entirely different thing. Yeah, Thel, did you have uh, something you wanted to say on the clone thing again? Because I kind of stepped up. The argument that like um, remaps punish you for choosing one thing before you really know about it. Like you make the example of charisma, somebody wants to be a leader. They remap to that and then they're out of luck. So if you just remove them, it becomes a lot more fair, and there's you still have to make the choices of choosing what to train, 
you don't just get punished for choosing something else. You just have that uh, SP that you're not using. I agree. The other thing um, is that the more that people are being reimbursed skill points, and as you pointed out, skill points are being traded, all these things kind of dilute the need for, for attributes. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's one of those things where, like, if you asked me even two months ago, I would have been like, no, and this is why. And I'm starting to get to the point where it's like, well, enough other things have happened that I think it would work to still to, to just not have them. Um, all right. Did we want to, Cagden, if you have nothing on this, we can move on to uh, some of the other CSM stuff. Yeah, move on. <laughs> get the on hell off go. this topic. <laughs> can I I'm just over say it. that I'm actually, like, when Zanuria was elected to CSM. No, no, you can't say it. No, no I don't want to hear Zanuria. a lot in the minutes. Hold on, hold on. For real, for real, real talk, okay? Like, I met this dude at Vegas. I hung out with him. He was not that bad. So, you know... When he was elected, everybody made such a big problem about it. But ultimately, everything has shown that he has been an active, contributive, and fairly uh, competent CSM member. So uh, I'm glad that that is true. That's all I'm going to say. I'm glad that that, that well, ended up being the kind of you know what bothers me about all this is everybody's paying penance now for all the shit they said before when they shouldn't have said it in the first place. You know, they shouldn't have, shouldn't have necessarily like said he was going to be a disaster because he was just going to interrupt the process and stuff like that. And to, to his, you know, his part of it was that he kind of made it, made that reputation for himself. And of course you're going to, you know, succeed if those are the expectations that people have of you and stuff. So the reason all that bothers me, because everybody's saying it's an area, wow, what a surprise. Like I knew he would be good because that's something he wanted to do. Yeah. And, uh, I, and that's my He wants to be a troll. He'll be a good troll, you know? Uh, yeah, so anyway, it just bothers me now that everybody's like, wow, what a shock. This isn't a disaster because he's not bad. He was not the one I was worried about. I was worried about leaking through Gorski and uh, whoever else is hanging around uh, him. That's though I thought was going to wreck CSM, but I guess they're not interested enough to do it this year. Not yet. There's not a, nobody knows what to do with this new, this new uh, ball of wax. Everybody's trying to figure it out. Yeah, I think they're, look, they're doing a great job. I think everybody s says that the same thing. I think they're all working. I, I, I told you who to look for, and that was going to be Aerith. And look at those minutes, and you can see all his clever points. Uh, the guy is just a sharp guy. He's putting a lot of really good sense into the, you know, the, the thinking. So, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, the whole Zanaria thing, great. I'm glad he's doing okay. I always thought he would. Yeah, I did too, and that's my point. Like, I'm, I'm glad that my gut that i think uh, you know because it's, it's tough it's difficult to t tell sometimes on the internet that the the line between absolute troll and an honest you know effort can sometimes get blurred and people get accused of of being of trolling when they may be actually serious and so you know i i thought that you know he was going to be great but i also thought that it, it had the possibility of going either way um i'm just well glad. i think we can like lay off words like great i mean <laughs> <laughs> he, he's yeah. he he has surpassed expectations is what you want to say and he's done it you know he's done a good job and this gets said like it it's almost getting said now to the point where it's no longer a surprise fair enough uh yeah i just think it's overdone uh not just you ash i took it out on you but it's for everybody else that's out there i just saying. wish the judge would punch in or something you know what i mean zanuri is getting all the no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> right. the other guys Zanuri's getting all the spots so onward, uh, there is a big panel on the brand, which I think is important because, you know, we've, uh, I've been talking a lot about the Eve universe and, 
and the story of Eve. And so they're talking about how uh, the message of Eve that they have so far is the awe of space and endless discovery, uh, that it's challenging and deep, and that it's a multiplayer community. Like that's their that's their selling points on Eve. Uh, and they also talked about the new the store, which at this point I, I'm I'm hesitant to get my hopes up again about. But uh, apparently, is the store still a thing, or it might be a thing? Sure, again. I think it's coming back. Right. So, so last year, for those of you who don't know why I'm hesitant, uh, at Eve Vegas, they showed us all of their offerings at Eve Vegas, and it was wonderful. And part of their announcements was that they were going to make a deal with uh, Think Geek, and they're going to be have products out by Christmas. Um, and it was October at that point. I'm pretty sure. Um, so then Star Wars came out. And then there was a bunch of shrugs and saying, I guess we're not coming out by Christmas. And then it just never, there was no update anymore. Apparently that entire deal just kind of fell through and wasn't good. And now it's going to so be with they, a new company, right? When was the store now, first discontinued? Wasn't it like, oh, like 2014, 2015? A long time. I'm not sure because it was, it was kind of suffering even before it was outright discontinued. Like there's a lot of stuff that got discontinued. Like there's really cool models. I actually have a really cool model behind the green screen. Um, and, and other stuff, but it, it all it never really worked. That things were too expensive. The the shipping was kind of weird. I, I just remember. Did anybody ever buy story. the Nick's coffee table or whatever the hell that thing was? Oh, that's $1,000. I'm not even touching that one. So uh, <laughs> they now have a new partner with DPI, which I've never, I don't know who those are, who they are, but uh, that's they're going to be managing the Eve store and they're going to be doing brand campaigns, which is very interesting. So, so with a free to play thing, they're re it looks like they're trying to get Eve a little bit out of its niche. Hmm. Just thinking unintended consequences. Oh yeah, no, because like, of course, every time you, if, if we add five times the player base, you know, not all of those player bases are going to be in the same thought realm as the rest of us. And if our community grows too quickly, then it could actually dilute kind of the values that we have within our community. And they could be supplemented by whatever new philosophy comes if if enough people were to come. I think that that is a concern, but I don't know necessarily if it's a terribly great concern, since it seems like Eve, CCP as a company, are kind of at least somewhat mentally in step with the rest of us. Now, so. now at the end of at the end of this brand section, which basically dealt with marketing, um, you know, they're going to be coming out with uh, you know brand campaigns and. Uh, They've got stuff for the new trailer that they showed there. But, but but one of the things they said here is that CCP Orca then showed off a proof of concept video for the My Eve project. Now, it says it was discussed earlier, but I don't see where it was necessarily discussed earlier. Um, what is the My Eve project? I, I think that was one of the ones that was deleted or something. Well, the, uh, wasn't, was that the, no, that was True Stories of Eve. Hmm. Now, there was, there was so, a section out. before that in the, uh, uh, minutes said to be released later after a dev blog. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I know that they are. You know, they're coming. They're they're working on the new app. They talked about that too, um, mm -hmm. it, and they're working on this whole story thing. So it could be that that it's like a, a better profile screen, or maybe even like a replacement for um, e the Eve Gate. Well, that's. That's the app thing you're talking about. That's going to be the replacement for for Eve Gate. No, I know, but like my Eve could be your personal, like your your profile screen, right? Like oh. like uh, in World of Warcraft, I can go to 
the armory and pull up my character and it shows everything I've done and everything I have and all that sort of stuff. If I go to Overwatch, I can pull up my character profile, all my stats and all that stuff, and I can show it to other people. So that's my guess. This is totally off the cuff. Just heard about it. But, um, you know, it, it could be that. You did have something kind of similar to that, if you guys remember. Uh, I think it was like they released it during Christmas, the year in review. They had all your stats, like the number of jumps you did, um, number of like people that set you blue or whatever. I think that, I don't know if that API is still up. It was down for a while. Uh, let me see if I can go find it. Hmm. But um, while, while he's looking for that, the next, the next session was about um, um, events. Um, you know, they talked about Purity of Throne, which is now over, and, and yeah, the, the whole Purity of the Throne thing is now over, yeah? Yeah, Purity of the Throne sites are, are now finished. Um, there's a couple of interesting things to come out of that. The, the coronation happened on the 27th, um, and there was no... She made it out alive. Yeah, there was no dramatic uh, event. The most dramatic thing is Lysis uh, was talking smack in local... And to the uh, to the NPC general, and uh, eventually he was purified by being set uh, suspect and having his paladin erased. That was pretty good. It was pretty good. But uh, what's interesting is, is that the purity of the throne skins are doing what they what were predicted, and they have immediately started going up in price. Uh, I think people are starting to realize that this this event is not going to happen again, and those white skins look pretty good. And uh, if they're not going to be any more introduced, then they're going to, especially some of the more used ships, are going to go up in price fairly quickly. It's also worth noting, sorry, this is kind of an aside, but uh, on Singularity right now, we have not one but two new Amar skins that look like they might be tied to events. The first one is absolutely tied to event. There's new uh, Blood Raiders Crimson Harvest YC118, and I'm not kidding, that's the name of the skin. Um, so that's going to come next, <laughs> that's, that's going to be next month's event. And those skins look sick, like super sick, like probably some of the best that it's a dark red with black. Let me get you a, a screenshot matter all. Hmm. The, the, the other thing that they mentioned in here, and it's a little further into the events section here, cause they get to talking about like Citadel skins and, you know, kind of the possibility for that. But then Steve then asked when the recently seen hats would be available. With the response being that some of the hats would be a reward for Crimson Harvest, and yeah, we'll come to the store soon. Yeah, like I, I asked Ricks on Twitter. I was like, "What are you gonna do now? You're like a champion without a cause, dude. You you won. <laughs> Ricks gets his hats." He reminded me that World Core Stabilizer still exists. But you know, since you know, since Crimson, you know, a lot of the stuff in here has already you know kind of happened. But Crimson Harvest is coming up. But that is one of the things. So you know, be on the lookout for uh, apparently hats related to that. Um, there was a big discussion in there about clothing in general. Um, and I'm just thinking they considered that core design play they needed to bring back into Eve hats. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, well, no, the, the, uh, it says uh, then there was some discussion on more clothing with the topic of corporation or alliance logos on in-game clothing. Um, you know, this came up. Then there was, you know, then there was an extended conversation related to um, um, a desire to see groups, you know, be able to like have uniforms and things like that. Yeah, uh, that sounds pretty interesting. I think some people really get into that. Yep. Yeah. Well, they were talking about the uh, psychological effect of having everyone the same looking ship. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a, in a uh, what is it? A fleet warp would be amazing. Well, for some people. And this actually, I mean, I want to write a longer article on this, but like skins 
how they're dealing with skins, I, I just got to say it confuses me. And, and I guess there might be some technical limitations, but I think that one of the real things that's holding Eve back in a lot of ways is a lot of this fluff information not being on kill mails um, and not being readily seen by other people. So if, if your kill mail showed you in the skin that you were in and showed how many kill, mail, kill marks you had when it was blown up, then it would tell a story. By not having those things there, I, it, it feels a little bit hollow. And, and I know that a lot of people are interested in skins but feel that they have no purpose because you know you, you can't tell that you're in them um I, I don't i don't know how to i don't necessarily how to fix those problems on the technical side but it is something that's really held back the feature you think back to when um skins were still tied to the ship they did have um like the skins on the kill mill because it would be just a different kind of ship I think I want to say the reason they removed that was because they had too many like type IDs and it's creating lag. And I think their justification for the reason that they don't have so so many skins is because um, just in big fights you get performance issues. And if you look at the skins that they have on Serenity, the Chinese server, uh, they have lots of colorful ones and different ones. But they also have a very much lower player population than ours. A lot of red and gold, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you you made two really good points. Um, the first is that there used to be ships that had the skins already applied to them. And this existed before the skin system. They just gave out alternate versions of various different ships. And then when they transferred over to the skin system, most of those ships got turned into normal versions of the ship. And then you were just given the, the skin. Um, so there were a few problems with, or there was a reason why they did it that way. Um, it, it, first of all, it required it at that point. It was a totally different type ID. Um, and you actually had to manufacture them. So you took the real, you took the first one, and then you plugged it in with the BPO or BPC, and you and you got back out the skin ship, um, or you turned it in at the LP store with the ship, and then you got the skin ship. Um, so that wasn't optimal. It wasn't great. Uh, the new skin system was an iteration above that. But unfortunately, like I said, when they moved to the system, they made it so that it, you could know what you were wearing, what you were wearing, so to speak. But it was very difficult for you, to, for other people to notice, and it was impossible for somebody after the fact to know. Which may sound trivial, but you know, if you want to ask people to pay money into things that they're invested in, you want them to that investment to be tied into something. You want them to be able to point back to it and be like, you know, this is this ship, and and the the record of that ship's loss should also reflect that ship's history, at least in some way. Oh, they could do that with like have the uh, golden pod. They could attach the uh, skin to the ship in that way. I would think. Yeah, kill marks well, too. Like they, a lot they, of yeah, kill marks. Kill marks was the other one. Yeah, they have the golden pod, but the golden pod is an implant that you put into your head, and that turns your pod that way. Oh, uh, the skin could be an extra item on the ship or something. Yes, I see what you're saying. Yeah, skin slot. I I think that I think that well, they even said that when they came out with the skin system, they were just kind of coming out with the barest bones of it because they wanted to get it in our hands and start playing with it. And as you can tell, they've kind of iterated over time. They've they've gone with more and more kind of complex, not only in design, but also in how they're releasing them. At first, it was only a couple of skins here and there. And then they tried like in all of the T1 lines. And then they threw in a couple of pirates. And they tried different skins here and there and learned about uh, performance, about 
uh, you know, kind of stuff. Like for instance, the skins for uh, Marauders are actually a bit more complex than the other skins of their era because they were reasonably confident that nobody's going to spam 2,000 Marauders. Um, you know, but rather a, a Thorax skin has to not have any impact on the performance. So, um, you know, I, it's been a really tricky road. I know when skins were first released, there's that neat bug that made it so that everyone can see, every, or you could apply any skin to any ship, which made people, quote unquote, see the possibilities. But unfortunately, it's, it's not only a game and a balance function, but it is a marketing function. And so, uh, you know, if they want to sell them individually, then, then that's how they, they have to go. But it took a long time for the player base to kind of come to terms with that. And so this was already kind of a challenging feature, and it's had kind of a mixed rollout over the last couple of years. And it's really important as these alphas come in that these things be locked in and kind of the vibe of, of what they should be should be ready to go. Because the important thing is that these alphas won't know the old ways, right? In three months mm -hmm. from now, we're going to be talking about the, the, the before times, what it was like before, right? Because... Alphas will only have a memory starting on November. Um, they they won't know, you know, AAA's reputation. They must be educated. Well, they'll probably <laughs> learn. Send them but to they, the camps. They won't know that sh that skins used to be ship types, or they don't. They they won't know that. You know, pretty soon, hopefully, they won't know that all of the good skins are in the MR. You know, hopefully, hopefully they'll. You know, the, <laughs> there are certain things that can just that are just corrected over time, and uh, we have long memories um and i think that it's going to be interesting to see how these newer players in a massive scale because brave newbies made a big change to the psyche of eve just by existing and this is going to be that times who knows what uh okay so we're you know um, about one third the way through the minutes right like uh, we're talking about no like, yeah uh, maybe one third if we're lucky i say like 20 percent. i'd say like There's the a top topic. maybe there is a ton to go through uh, and stuff, but apparently there was support and opposition for pink skins. Both support and opposition. <laughs> it's like whatever. I mean, Jesus Christ, just put it, just put a damn pink skin in, and whoever wants to have it can have it, and the other uh, whatever. Um, um, just get you know, shot more. But in another in another Zenuria moment, uh, Zenuria enthusiastically proclaimed the fashion that fashion doctrines are a wondrous tool of psychological warfare and demoralization of the enemy. Now, I got to be honest, uh, you, you know, I'm not quite sure, um, um, you know, how how fashion doctrine necessarily necessarily demoralize the enemy. What, but you know, what he's saying is, is that it, it goes Zenuria moment number no, no, 12. No, he's got a good point. Uh, it goes back to the he's, World War B thing, right, with the backgrounds. If if your enemy jumps into system and every single one of their profiles have the same background and same uniform, you know they're all different people, but they're in di they're in the same uniform yeah. and all and, of their what, sh you... ships are skinned the same. They they they're are elite. psychologically they're... already what, a more geared in. What can you do though? Spill coffee on their outfit or something? <laughs> like how do you demoralize? Oh my god, they have monocles. <laughs> well, what what's the point of all of test spam? I mean, you can chuckle at it, but that is, I mean, this is a psychological warfare is proven right so you, you you laugh at it but it happens and it and it works or yeah but and I mean, it's one thing you have to listen to them one thing they have to listen to metallica you know at all hours of the night which i like by the way but um and looking at somebody's uniform i think i don't know i believe psychological warfare is real 
I don't see how outfits would affect it. Well, but okay. I'm so gonna... again, again, it goes both ways, right? In my opinion, I think, and this also goes back to the fact that skins aren't really obvious and not necessarily uniforms are pretty obvious. But if you're in a team of people, if you're in a corporation with a hundred guys and you guys have gone through the effort to design your logo, have it be uploaded, design your stuff and get everybody their equipment and everybody locked in, that is going to have a moral effect on your team it is a bonding thing and so not all psychological warfare is an attack i think that it is actually a reinforcing of esprit de corps which i think mm -hmm. i mean okay I, great any anything that makes being part of a corp cooler i like all right agreed i i actually we have a second segment to the show that i want to get to um we are nowhere near done with csm minutes i think this will be covered very well with uh, dirk and wiggles on their podcast tomorrow sunday morning why don't you show up man we can actually just continue it yeah you know what i'm going to show up so this we'll do the part two of this uh on the wiggle show if he'll have me and um if we could just kind of go through the last stuff some highlights that you guys want to talk about but not really get into a thick discussion on it because i do want to bring in a few other guests uh from methodical just want to point out that in the entire minutes there's really like two mentions of losec uh one was about like the events and then the second one was about uh that solon brought up dead the losec regions where you can't get out and i think that that's an area of the game that's um especially with all the alphas as soon as you leave high you basically go to a low sec and that's going to be a lot of players first impression of kind of the cutthroaty and if we can get that more active it'll be good for the game awesome so on with the csm minutes so we just finished up branding and yeah, I mean, you know, as far you know, as far as the section on clone states, which we've talked, you know, which we've already talked a lot about. Um, I mean, the only thing that I thought that may have been truly new in here, or well, at least confirming, is that they won't be able to vote in the, for CSM. They won't be able to run for CSM. Um, is 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 what it looks like in here. Um, they went into two main sections: simultaneous logins and multiboxing, and high sex suicide ganking. I don't think that you'll find anything in there that is um, definitive as to what way they're going. Um, I I couldn't quite work out whether or not they are going to be allowing simultaneous logins and multiboxing with alphas or not. Um, and then the high sex suicide ganking thing, I think, is something along the lines of kind of wait and see, let's see how it goes kind of a thing. I think that's what they're looking at with the uh, multi-logins too, was let it go until we see a problem and then fix it after that. I My guess is that they're going to work on a way in which you can log in multiple characters that are greater than one, but less than infinite. So that way you can be like, okay, you can log in three characters and that's it. Or something like that. narrow it down. <laughs> Um, they talked about uh, Steve talked about skill extraction. CCP replied that they uh, would like to not absolutely restrict alpha clones from extracting completely, but are looking at restricting them from extracting skills in the alpha set. Um, what this would allow is that if you had a clone that devolved, I'm sorry, if you had an Omega that devolved into an alpha and had those extra ones there, that it would theoretically, that it could possibly be able to extract those omega related skills even in an alpha state uh, and then uh and, you know and then the csm also asked what the training rate for alphas would be and ccp replied that it would be half the speed of an omega i kind of had a little back and forth today with with uh noisy and a couple others out there 
I don't know that I agree with th these are already very limited um, um, character types, right? Um, if you're looking at getting to the full, let's say, five million skill points for for one of these characters, um, it, even if you're training at say two thousand SP an hour, all right, um, you're talking about a hundred and four days to get there. Okay, now if you if you reduce this down to half, and let's say you need about two point five million um of those skill points to make these kind of um semi-effective characters now you're looking at about a hundred days for an alpha to be able to get to that which they then you know which, which noisy then comes back with hey look this leads to them if they really want to buying injectors i think that one of the big solutions would just be to make it so that your 21 days your first 21 days is omega um but i think no that would be bad because then people would train skills that they can't uses alpha yep. that'd be bad so the the thing is is that you got to remember there's a big thing that we as experienced players often don't take into consideration which is that the rules have to be incredibly simple for um for new players you need to be able to explain it very easily so if you're going to have a limited skill half is probably mathematically the easiest to process oh i'm, I'm i i i train at half the capacity you could say a third or two thirds, but then you run into the problem of the math of how skill points are actually acquired, which is that you get one point for every um, of your primary attribute and one point for every two, so half a point for every point in your secondary attribute. Um, and so this just basically goes along with those math. It goes half and a quarter at this point. So I think that it's one of those things where I'm pretty sure if you like had perfect balance adjustment, you could find a place that maybe felt a little bit better. But as far as like comprehension goes, it's straightforward. I just wonder if it's that big of a deal for them to be able to get there, you know, in in 50 days, you know, or 100 days. Maybe it's not a big deal at all. Maybe an actual and and what I'm talking about here is an actual new person coming into the game right and they get that alpha and they want to do that right maybe they don't even know the difference between training at say a thousand sp an hour versus two thousand sp an hour they're they're still learning things and it's just training i don't want to create an artificial barrier to them feeling as though they're 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 just blocked by time or they have to make this commitment to Oh, buying plex selling it for isk and then buying injectors to like you know kind of get themselves the other what if, what if they put uh the first 21 days not as an omega clone but as omega clone training speed right that would be that would be a pretty good solution um i think that the big thing here is that um it, it's about time to capability right and I think yep. that one of the problems that we have is that a lot of the things that we think of as standard capabilities are actually fairly high in the training period. And for the most part, past the training period for alpha clones, right? So even at training at half time, if I really want to get into a cruiser, that's like two, three weeks worth of training. If I want to get into a, a frigate or a destroyer, which really I should, that's not too long. Like I get that it's, it will take a long time to max everything out but from the time to like i want to i want to fly this ship or fly this module to being able to use it since basically everything you're doing is tech one anyways the barrier to 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 functioning is very low 
All right, pushing on. We'll do another five, seven minutes on this, and then we'll switch gears. Unfortunately, we're cramming two shows into one. This is a show and a half on its own, uh, but we do have guests from the Methodical Alliance, and we wanted to talk to them last week, and they weren't able to make it, so they're here today. I'm going to so, jump in with the uh, the MPC AI, which is coming. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, this is something that's both part of the November release and part of the minutes. This is a huge, huge deal. Okay, so last year, uh, CSP Affinity was talking about how they were working on a new AI for um, New Eden. And the goal was actually to replace all of the AI within the system within this, with this new kind of emergent or a, a better way of processing things AI. And that's basically what the drifters originally were, was kind of a test bed for a lot of this, these new concepts. Um, what we know now is that they are going to more procedurally generated content within the game in order to make Eve more alive. So right now there's kind of BS reasons why we don't see a lot of the, the stuff that's supposedly going on. There's no civilian mining vessels. There's not very many like transports or there's police and stuff, but you know, whatever. This is, this is part of their goal to put more interesting stuff to interact with and have consequences for interacting with in space. And the first step is going to be there's these mining teams. So now you will be able to find NPC miners uh, and their defenders inside of uh, asteroid belts. So it's kind of like taking the idea of belt ratting, but uh, it's wrapping it up with like the dreads and the capitals, like making interesting thing happen in, in uh, belts and stuff like that. But on top of that, it's also, again, these very, very first baby steps to something that will be a huge change in the methodology and in, in the overall experience of how we play this game. So now code will have somebody else to go out there and bump. They can go yes. out and bump NPC miners. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I hope the NPCs are able yeah. to attack for being bumped. I wonder, are they going to like apply um, tears uh, and salt from from the NPCs because that's that's the only incentive some people have to kill people. That'd be amazing. To, but like to aggravate them to the point of tears. One of the high level goals, at least at one point, was described as being like the different empires and the different factions and whatnot. Each will have their own entities in space, kind of performing the actions of that empire um so you know there might be patrols within within dangerous space or you know the angels might be doing something and so this makes it so that it answers the question of you know how do we make or it potentially answers the question of how do we make pve interesting beyond just missions um and I don't know. It, it could be really good. It, it may not be enough. I don't, I don't know if mining groups is necessarily the best place to start, but I also haven't seen it and I don't know the details yet. So I'm excited about the overall concept, um, but I'm a bit nervous about the application. Maybe it's because it, they really wanted to drive home that industry stuff with the, with the in engineering complexes and, and everything. And, you know, industry is a huge, huge focus of this uh, November expansion. And part of that conversation, part of what I read on the minutes also was talking about NPCs acting like players now with uh, modules actually making sense instead of just this random assortment of stuff that they have. And that would be amazing. Um, that's one of the things that I've, I've said about HiSec is, is the most wrong about the way that we do HiSec is the fact that, or the way that we do PVE is that PVE teach people the wrong rules, right? The, and the NPCs really should behave or at least follow the same rules as we do. So that way, um, you know, when you transition between the two, you shouldn't be like, okay, 
I'm in a PVE fight, so now these things work this way and these things work this other way. Um, as much as possible, it should be as seamless as possible. Yeah, I mean, in the same section, which is the team phenomenon section, um, um, Noob Man asked what CCP thought about social PVE. Aerith asked if the NPC operators were going to be balanced around having multiple pilots. Larrikin responded that they want the system to respond to the number of people involved, which is, which is, I think, something that a lot of us have been hoping for. So the way yeah. that I, I described this to Affinity, and she she's always so kind of coy in the way that she gives answers. So it's very difficult for me to say that, that she's giving an affirmative. But what I, I recommended was an idea of like two different levels of AI. You have the individual rat AI, which manages the modules and all that stuff. But then there's an overall director. There's the kind of like, uh, I likened it to the left for dead director where it has choices in order to make interesting challenges and then throws things at you depending on how difficult it's supposed to be. Um, and, and she, seem to indicate that they're going to a similar some sort of situation like that so so there's going to be like you know there's not only the rats themselves but the actual environment the 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 battle itself will will deal with what you are i thought uh, one section you know also here was interesting um the CSM asked if it would be possible to make the spawns bounty increase if they kill players ccp replied that they could make them loot player wrecks that's awesome. And then, and then they drop that the loot. That is awesome. I love that. Well, they, they proved it. Actually, it's funny. Um, hey, can they shit up local too? There you go. Then, then who needs players? Well, you laugh, you laugh at that. But in another Zenaria moment, he asked, how hard is it for the NPC actors to have interesting dialogue? Larrikin <laughs> explained that while it would be nice, their focus at the moment is to have them act realistically in combat first. That's fair. Which actually brings me to an interesting point, um, uh, kind of a side point. But we had, you know, we we are getting voice acting in the in the PV in the MPE, which is incredible. And I only hope won't then feel like a bait and switch when there is no voice acting in anything else in the game. But I think that people understand. But uh, we just did the coronation event, and during the coronation event, it was almost impossible to even just copy and paste the text of the coronation actor uh, with 2,800 people local. And so one of the things that I've been kind of starting to expound and now really am expounding is that we really need to have a priority channel as well as local so that that way mission events can talk to us um, and everything like that. And I know people say you should pay attention, you, you can look at local, but you know, local is used as a intelligence tool in enough ways that it, it actually is super awkward in a lot of UI to then switch it to being a reading the mission text tool. Yeah. You combine that with these event actors having problems. It'd be, it would just be nice if there was a priority channel that we could somehow get that kind of event information and then potentially NPC uh, or like event actors can hijack that channel if they so choose. Oh, somebody had mentioned using like an incursion channel for that, that popped up automatically when the event was going on. Well, yeah, that'd be cool too. Um, I was thinking more like, yeah, I mean, I was thinking just a channel that's always open, just like local is always open, just right next to it, just called, you know, events. Yeah. Uh, what are the things that we want to cover real quick in the CSM minutes before we switch gears? Oh, I think that we, we either switch gears or we end up getting into stuff like balance and boosts and, um, you know, some of the deeper 
Speaking of which, uh, it gets, while, gets heavy. <laughs> while Matterall while Matterall is busy setting up the next piece, I'm just going to remind everybody that a lot of stuff is starting to hit Singularity now, and it used to be a pain in the butt to get on Singularity, but literally now all you have to do is open your launcher and switch it from Tranquility to Singularity and hit Run. Top left. And yeah, in the top left corner, and. There's new command boosts. There's new skins. There's there's about to be even more new mechanics. The, there was a command boost mass test uh, yesterday, which was more of a performance test than anything else. Um, they look pretty good, but there's definitely some things that need feedback. The new ghost fitting system that's coming out. If you have not checked out the new fitting window, it is incredible. Like I, at this point, I'm just I'm not even do anything. On, on Tranquility. I'm going to do, from this point on, I'm doing all of my fitting in uh, on Sissy and then like bringing them over until they make it so that I can't do that because they've rebalanced something that doesn't work. But um, like the ghost fitting system is great. Um, the one bad news about that is that CCB Carker mentioned to me on Twitter that that might not make it in November, but I'm going to hold out that she just was like, you know, we haven't confirmed it yet and we're not ready to. But I, I definitely, I'm, I'm hopeful that that is their targeted goal because it looks pretty good. It looks pretty close to being uh, shipworthy. I know some people were even suggesting that they should release it in October. That's how, that's how slick it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a feeling she's lowering expectations in case they don't make it, but. Well, Carker yeah. likes to troll. Yeah, Car Carker is a very subtle person. Not really. <laughs> All right. So uh, CSM minutes. They just came out today. Okay. It happens like yeah. It happens like twice an hour. Just uh, yeah. You'll notice the video just sped up. It's the internet in this uh, building. Uh, okay. So CSM minutes just came out today. Go ahead and read them. Uh, there's going to be a second wave of minutes, which will be some of the redacted stuff that comes out later on. Um, it's all very exciting because it's adding to what we've already known about the November expansion. It looks like a pretty hefty expansion. Um, and uh, the new player uh, the new player experience, I think, is something that's going to be key to look at. Do you think they've told us everything about that or are there other things? Redacted a lot of the information uh, minutes. Yeah. The whole section beyond MPEUs. Uh, yep. one, of the, one of the big questions that hasn't been answered is, is are we are we going to experience the, this beforehand? Are they going to put it on Sissy? How much of it are we going to be able to play with? Because on the one hand, you know, it is a story, so people might want to experience it. But on the other hand, they really need to test it. The other thing that's going to be interesting is that each faction has their own NPE, right? There's four different leaders, and they all kind of lead towards the same point. But it'll be interesting to see if they sprinkle in some very specifically Amar things in the Amar ones and some specifically Galente things in the Galente ones, for example. Great. All right. Uh, we're in summary mode. Uh, no more analysis, Ash. Save that for the next show. I'm done. We're going to do this again. Uh, we're going to do this right. And we're going to, like, you know, break these things down into sections, time each one, and then we'll, we'll get it. We did a lot of analysis very quickly. But as you can see, the issues can go very deep if you start thinking about the repercussions and stuff. I warned you that I was just doing victory laps all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so, okay, thanks. We're going to switch over to a new topic now. I'm going to actually switch out the guests um, because uh, we're, we're trying this new system out. We're going to see how it works. 
And so this will take just a second. Uh, actually, what I'm going to do is actually play one of our old intermissions. While we Here we go. Oh, and I want to thank uh, Cagton and Thel both for jumping in and uh, giving us their insight. Here we go. In honor of Ashtarathi, I'm going to do Galente. There you go. Thanks for having us. All right, we're back. All right, we're back, and uh, I want to thank Ashtarathi for sticking with us. Uh, I think you're going to take off, is that right? Yeah, uh, you guys are going to be talking about null stuff, which I can only tangentially comment on, so I'm going to go take care of some real-life stuff. I appreciate uh, uh, being on and being allowed to yammer on about new stuff, though. We'll do it again next week. We'll, we'll cover CSM again. Uh, but now we want to pivot. We're going to talk about NullSec. Thanks for sticking around, everyone. We're going to go into the dangerous waters that are EVE. And uh, we're going to start by introducing a new alliance that, uh, not a new alliance, but an alliance that has um, grown quite a bit, and that is the Methodical Alliance. Uh, and we'll let them uh, tell us what's going on. But first, I want to introduce uh, Targamar. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Dave? Good. Thanks for coming. Uh, you brought your EXO and some, it looks like your directors. Actually, they're all three X, uh, all three of them are EXOs. They're uh, from the former uh, alliances that merged into us. Great. Why don't you introduce yourself and then your EXOs? Sure. Um, I'm Targamar. I've uh, been playing the game for quite some time. Been in NullSec uh, since the Tribute days. Uh, when NCDOT was in Tribute, we were there with them. Um, uh, my EXOs are Bandit. Uh, 773, Axe, and Twisted Fiend. All right, guys. Um, can each of you introduce yourself a little bit so that the podcast listeners can hear your voice and kind of associate who you are with your name? Absolutely. Uh, I'm Bandit773. I've been around the game for quite some time, too, and uh, Targ's right hand. Uh, I'm Axe. Uh, uh, what was the uh, head of uh, the Naga Alliance? Uh, been in Rona Corp. Uh, essentially since beta. Um, very long player. And I am Twisted Fiend, former CEO of Deep Space Alliance. Uh, I'm proud to represent Deep Space within TMA now. And we're happy that you have us on the show. Glad to have you, actually. I very much wanted to focus on um, alliances that were maneuvering out there but weren't getting a lot of publicity. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> you guys can hear me this time. Um, yeah, I wanted to focus on alliances that weren't necessarily you know, the ones that everybody talks about all the time. And you guys have been around a while. Uh, you guys had a new merger, I think, with uh, Twisted's group, and we want to hear about that. But uh, Targamon, why don't you tell us what you've been up to and uh, how things are going? Great. Um, we've um, been with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy now since uh, they formed uh, when we were down in Quirius. Um, the um, which is actually uh, darkness is the lead in uh, that uh, coalition, and uh, we uh, came to Branch and Declan uh, when uh, the goons was uh, still there. Um, we helped um, uh, with uh, the goons, uh, you know, going down south, and um, we've been there growing now uh, for four or five months. Well, let, let me back you up a little bit. How did Methodical start? How long have you been around? 
Uh, we started uh, in 2010 um, or 11. Uh, we started with, um, <laughs> uh, we wanted to go into NullSec. Uh, we went into some space, uh, decided to drop. Uh, there was no one who owned it as far as we knew. It was in tribute. We dropped a um, uh, um, TCU, uh, claimed the land, uh, claimed uh, the systems, and uh, in about 10 minutes or so, all of a sudden a Sino lit and NC dot came and blew up all our TCUs. <laughs> after that, after that, NC dot said, "There's a right way and a wrong way to do this stuff. We love that you guys have enough balls to come out here and do something like this." Um, uh, but uh, if you want to rent some space, we'll rent it to you. So we started out as sprinters in Mulsic. Oh, uh, and you're no longer renting. Obviously, you. Uh, what happened after that? Because you guys have you guys have moved. I know you were in the south near NC uh, at least last year um, as things were going on down there. Actually, um, when we lost tribute, we moved to the Villa of the Silent with them um, for about a month and a half or two months. We moved into high sec until. Um, NC dot officially joined the N3, and then uh, we we went along with NC dot into the N3 back into Amencia. Um, we um, was in Amencia for a while. Uh, uh, of course, you know uh, again the goons came in, took the space from us. We went from uh, that location then um, uh, to. Uh, Owasa PL had um, set it up so that we could go up into the drone lands and be with them. So we were with PL for a little while. Um, then after that happened, we moved down into queries with Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And actually, that was one of the things that I, I thought was a very underreported war, and that was the taking back of Quarius by Guardians of the Galaxies. Uh, because you guys chased out the Reavers and kind of took that whole area over when uh, Goonswarm was basically in the neighborhood. They were in Delve. Correct. Correct. We did. So how, how did that happen? Why did you have so much success in that campaign? Um, I, I believe uh, Sort Megan um, is the reason we did so well. Um, he was uh, very good with the strategies um, and um, doctrine, and we just was winning just about every battle we had yeah yeah i was noticing that because i was like wow that's a tall task because i mean uh you know nc dot basically so left the uh, i'm sorry so it's basically i i would just say it was sword dragon and he he was very good at it oh no that was a technical problem i was actually talking uh but you weren't hearing me i was just uh talking through the wrong thing this has happened a couple times but yeah i i got it so sword dragon was the leader of that campaign and that's one of the reasons um, I thought it was interesting because I was watching that area. Obviously, I'm an NC, and we, we just left the area, uh, having not been able to penetrate Fountain very well. And so we were, you know, moving away, and we we just uh, noticed that, you know, the Reavers were there, and Goonswarm was there, and it was a matter of time before Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, got wiped out. And you guys didn't. You guys actually came back, and you took back the entire region, which was pretty amazing. So from that point. Um, not to go through the whole historical timeline or anything, but something recently is, looks like uh, you guys have merged in with uh, another group because you augmented by, you got another, a thousand new members practically, right? Actually, it was two groups. Um, that uh, Naga uh, was one of them, and then the other group was uh, Deeps, the Deep Space. And so Naga and Deep Space both, um, or, which is actually um, nerfed. What is it, X? Nerfed Alliance go away. 
down nerf alliance go away and then deep space both of them uh we negotiated a merger and um uh, within three days we had the merger uh agreement done and and we merged all three alliances into team a oh that's cool and that's uh What's that like growing from a medium-sized alliance of 500, 600 to a pretty substantial, like, you know, upper middle class, I would call it, uh, alliance of 1,500? Uh, like, is that a, a nightmare or is it going pretty natural? Um, not a nightmare. Um, I'll tell you why. Uh, it's because Axe and Twisted and um, Bandit uh, um, and myself, we all um, got on the right page together. Uh, we had so much in common. Uh, it made it so that the blend was easier. We do have growing pains uh, because we've added so many people at one time. So uh, yes, growing pains, um, but not chaos. It, it's been going very, very well, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, about as well as can be, I suppose. What, what are some of the challenges that you face? Getting people on the same doctrine or just getting them moved? What, what do you look Everything. Um, it was from... Uh, uprooting uh, several people, you know, several corporations, moving them into different areas, because um, uh, now we have three constellations instead of just one, um, and uh, watching the ADMs more, I mean, there's a lot involved because uh, of more space and more people. Uh, we had people that were resisting. Uh, they, they didn't like the idea that, you know, they were merging into TMA because they had pride in the alliances they were in before. So, um, but um, that is slowly, uh, you know, dissipating and the people are um, now coming around to, hey, this is not bad. And I guess they have to start seeing progress or start having confidence in the new situation to, to let those feelings go, right? I think it was beneficial that the alliance leaders that, you know, came on over with us, uh, they, were melding well into the groups and um, telling their people, hey, this is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Stop. <laughs> it, All right. So that's that's methodical. And uh, so now let's talk NullSec with you guys that are veterans, because some of you have been around a long time. Like, what can you like, let's say there's going to be a lot of people listen to this uh, that are going to be new to the game since November, you know, a few months away, people are going to join that that probably otherwise wouldn't because it's going to be free and there won't be the pressure and they're going to be like, what's this game all about? So maybe you guys could, you know, one at a time, tell me what, you know, what it's like, what it's changed, how it's changed, you know, anything you want. Let's, let's be as casual as you want on this. Thank you. Um, actually, what I would like to do is um, let Twisted uh, take the, the thing first. Uh, Twisted, why don't you go ahead? Me first, huh? Sacrificial lamb. Great. <laughs> no pressure. There really is no pressure. There's only 78 people listening live, but hundreds of will listen to this. After. Do you want someone else to take it twisted? No, 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 I got it. Um, I've only been playing EVE since 2013. I'm not actually as well-versed maybe as, as Targus. I've been in NullSec for most of that time. So I, can you rephrase your, your question again? Well, there wasn't a question. It's just kind of like I'm opening the floor for you guys to talk about anything you want. Um, so it's uh, I'm trying to switch gears from interviewing you guys about who you are, because now people know who you are, to you guys are people with experience. Why don't you tell us what it's like being in NullSec? Um, you know, from your perspective, you're kind of a, a newer uh, player since 2013 is 
not beta, which was 2003. Um, so from your perspective, you built up a, a large group in a short amount of time. Uh, what was that like? What are some of the things you have to worry about when you're, when you're doing I, I actually inherited Deep Space uh, from previous leadership. I started off doing high-sec mining, and I thought I was pretty cool mining, uh, sneaking into low-sec space to mine kernite. I thought that was hot shit. Can I say that? I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> yes. I, thought, I, thought, I thought I was doing good stuff by mining kernite and low-sec. How did you not get? I I was sneaky, right? I you know you gotta d scan, d scan, d scan, d scan. Ah, oh, that well, guy's close. You probably weren't in mining barges then. You were probably in a, something else, like a cruiser or something. No, I was using a procure at the time. Well, I don't know, Dirk. I think that we'll chalk up a lazy pirate area where because <laughs> that was a recipe for disaster for me. I tried that a few. And then we uh, we moved out to uh, to Cobalt or not, not Cobalt Edge Outer Passage, and that was my first taste. Oh, it was Cobalt or Outer Passage, and it was fun. It was scary because you always have to be on your toes. You don't know who's going to pop into the system. You have to watch your intel channels. And after that, I was hooked on Nullsec. It was so enticing to me because there's always something around the corner, right? I can go do this great thing. I can go run this site, and I'm going to make all this ISK, but I could die halfway through it if I'm not paying attention. So that's the allure of NullSec for me. Yeah, it's almost like a constant rush because uh, you can always be snatched up by something coming out of the sky, especially with wormholes around and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you, so you got to, you know, first thing you should do when you undock, check, here's the SIGs in my system. Uh, oh, I don't know what that is. Got to scan it down. What is it? Oh, it's a wormhole. Where does it go? Uh, okay. Pop in there. Mm, pretty much dead. Not going to worry about it. But Or, you know, if there's towers in there and people running around, now you got a problem. Oh, I didn't know that. Good. I learned something already. The um, thing is, you guys were... Th this is something that I contemplated a long time. I was thinking that there's different ways to play EVE, and one of them might be to become a renter, so you don't have to worry about building a big military to secure your space, so that you can actually you know, be very productive with the, the advantages of harvesting in deep space, which you harvest a lot more and it's, you know, a lot more, sometimes it's quieter. Um, would you recommend that for like, for new people or casual players? Is that to me again? Here, I'll fill that one. <laughs> Twist, Twisted is actually the guy who handles our rental. <laughs> so um, when someone's coming out to rent from us, uh, Twisted handles that. But um, uh, I can tell you, starting out as a renter, um, I, I cannot tell you it's a bad thing. Uh, there is a stigma that goes along with it. And for a long time, people say it like it's something nasty coming out of their mouth. Like, you know, they have poop in their mouth and they have to spit it out. You're a renter, you know. <laughs> so it's, Yeah, I've never heard anybody like exalt renters, you know. <laughs> well, even in the Alliance tournament, you know, um, when we're playing the Alliance tournament, they go renters. And we haven't been renters for years. But... We still have that stigma. It's it's oh these guys are renters. Hey, they're doing pretty good for renters. I mean, we hear all kinds of stuff. It it also depends on what you're doing as a renter. I mean, you know, if you're just a little tiny group, yeah, you know, I was a renter at one point. There were three of us in my corp at the time, and we rented a system and we just made made ISK and you know bought blueprints because you know we were preparing for something else, and then it evolved from there. It all depends on what it is you're doing. I don't think that you guys were were 
renting just to make money, right? Because if I recall, you guys were fairly active, you know, you in PvP as well. Yeah, actually, we were. In fact, um, when uh, the goons came to attack tribute, um, we were jumping on things really fast. Uh, NC Dot, um, who we were running from, were awesome. And they saw that um, we were jumping on things, and and they said, "You're very impressive. You know, you're you're actually very useful out here. Uh, unlike most renters, you you get on the stick, you get out here and protect the land, and and that sort of thing." So they were they were really supportive of us, and we've loved NC Dot since. We we've had a long term relationship with them. Uh, even though I I think Vince sometimes referred to us as uh, some nasty words and then renter. I mean, <laughs> this is a you know this is a conversation I've had for for well for years because again I, you know starting off as the renter and then kind of growing up from there. But uh, it was a conversation we had in the channel here a little while ago, and I you know th there is always the looking down on renters, but but the way I've always put it is for the most part small groups that are trying to establish themselves out there someplace. Um, um, they pay in one way or another. They either pay ISK so that they don't have to, uh, you know, fight for that territory, but it allows them to kind of consolidate and do whatever it is they're going to do there. Or they're going to pay allegiance to somebody else and need to show up when called. Some people would call them pets. Others want to call them allies, whatever it is. They don't necessarily control their own destiny either. So it's kind of the gas, grass, or ass thing. You know, somebody owes somebody <laughs> for the ride. Uh, I think you. I think you hit it on the head there. I mean, uh, any anything in Nola's costs costs anything. I mean, even as an owner of Sov, you still have to pay a cost for it, and that's with time. So, I mean, and really, when it boils down to it, as a renter, it all boils down to time. No matter whether it's time to pay yourself, time to pay somebody else, or time that you just spend in the game. So, well, that's what I. I actually at one point thought that's that's what I should be doing. I shouldn't be trying to keep up with. Um, NC dot or uh, you know whoever because it's so hard it, it requires a grind to get uh, isk to just stay in the game you you're required to move or you're left behind if you're left behind you're practically dead so I just kind of thought at one point I was like I need to be a casual player that's what would fit you know because I'm an older person that would that's what would fit my lifestyle uh, and that's probably the right way to go so I can relax a lot more and then actually actually enjoy the game rather than just trying to keep up with it. yeah I, if I can add on to that so in regards to your original question, which was, you know, would you recommend it for people who interested in, in coming out to rent? Um, obviously, all, all the points you guys previously brought up, I would say specifically for uh, newer corps, a lot of a lot of uh, corps start off as indie, indie corps. Uh, there's a fair number of them out there. Uh, over time, they they have a desire to kind of branch out to start doing PvP and obviously exploring potentially solve at some point. So. Uh, obviously, uh, coming out and, and doing do, coming out as a renter corp in an, an area like that gives people an opportunity to uh, kind of jump in with both feet into the area and be able to start participating in things and start learning how to how to how to participate in fleets, learning about the doctrines, uh, learning how to FC, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they can also uh, learn where how they can be useful uh, to a larger group, either not only forming up for fleets, but also if, uh, obviously with the industry base, being able to go through and help supply ships or resources or gather resources that are needed, whether it's POS fuel or whatever it is. So there's a lot of opportunities for, uh, you know, people who are looking to uh, branch out into what their, uh, the, the rest of what Eve has to offer. Um, 
uh, without, again, as you said, with, by being able to mitigate some of those risks. But there, there is quite a bit out there for, for people to do. And regardless of which direction they want to go in, if they want to ramp up their industry, if they want to start doing PVP, uh, whatever it is, uh, there's a lot of opportunities there. I think the even further side of that is, is that, you know, with, with the way the uh, soft system is set up at this point too, a lot of those smaller uh, corporations or groups that come into NullSec uh, can provide a service to the uh, larger alliances, either from a renting aspect or whatever, to keep the ADMs up, whether it's ratting, mining, whatever the case may be. Exactly. Our part of our program is is that we actually offer discounts on the the, the rental rates um, based on the performance of maintaining ADMs. So basically, the more people help us with maintaining ADMs, the lower the rent is. So there's a lot of uh, back and forth and in, incentives there. All right. Well, that's very interesting. I actually wanted to do a show on the, the pros and cons of it, and now you're reminding me of why, because there's a lot of interesting things to consider, uh, especially with a game that's this long term. Um, but you guys aren't just renters, or you were, or were not. And you're now, uh, you know, an alliance in your own right. Where are you guys located? Are you still up north uh, as part of uh, part of um, Guardians of the Galaxy? Absolutely. Um, we're located in Branch at this moment. Um, we're right there by Blades of Grass. Uh, CD Nolis was there recently, just left. And yeah, they just moved south. I guess. Yes, they did. And um, so, um, uh, well, who's who's left in uh, in your coalition? Lots of people, um, of course. Darkness, uh, CD Nolis uh, is gone. Um, uh, yeah, you can't count them. Just... Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to Blades of Grass, which is awesome. Uh, now, Blades of Grass great. are interesting because they're actually the original founders of Lawn. That is correct. But, but they were <laughs> deposed, ungratefully deposed. And so they started Blades of Grass um, to basically, like, you know, take back ownership of lawn. They really like that whole grass and lawn thing, don't they? I mean, they are. <laughs> are, they, are, are they landscapers? <laughs> no, no, but I heard they're very, very, very nice uh, people uh, who, you know, wanted to keep, like, a non-toxic environment going. And uh, some uh, people rose up to throw them out unceremoniously and so then they created blades of grass to keep the theme like i i'd like to point out that blades of grass is now living where lawn used lawn to used to live originally so that is what, very... comes, what comes around goes around absolutely so, to to finish answering that question uh currently uh we have darkness solarius uh chitonium blades of grass obviously tma moose federation uh, Caldarius Alliance, uh, Demonic Wheat Pineapple, uh, and Chaos Theory. Okay, thanks. Oh, and by the way, Blades of Grass, is that, are they the Vulpines? Uh, yes, the Vulpines. They're related. There's a group of them, right? Are they, it's how are husband they? and wife. That's right. Okay. They were yeah, actually, the... actually awesome, though. I mean, I, mean I, I can tell you, dealing with them, um, it's, it's very wonderful to have to deal with them about things because of... Um, their temperament, uh, their maturity, their um, abilities. I mean, honestly, it's it's very nice people. Yeah, we got really lucky with uh, when we when GOTG moved into the area. The the, the alliances that actually settled in Branch uh, all seem to have a fairly uh, similar uh, kind of mindset, and we tend to get along really well. Uh, before we even merged, uh, you know, obviously Naga and uh, Deeps and TMA shared adjacent uh, uh, constellations. 
and we had already created joint uh, operation agreements. We actually had a formal written agreement on sharing space and whatnot. So we were essentially, in many ways, acting as a as a unified group even before we decided to go ahead and, and formalize it as a, an alliance merger. Um, and uh, obviously, well, it's not at the same level with uh, the other tenants that are in uh, in branch at the moment. Uh, that we definitely have a, a, a close working relationship with them. And uh, as, as Targ was saying, uh, you know, the people in Blades of Grass, we get along with very well. You know, we show up to help each other out with, you know, various ops. Uh, so we got really fortunate in that we have good neighbors. I mean, uh, as people know from real life and definitely from Eve, uh, sometimes having the wrong person on the other side of the fence can be a real pain in the ass. Yeah, uh, McLeod from um, TMC or uh, Imperium News is is vouching for them too, saying they're uh, very upbeat and positive people, and that's what I've heard about them too. Man, so all these people here sound upbeat and positive. It's like, wow, I know. It's this a, sounds like a friendly is, damn place to go you live. You know, what's, what's funny is you come into this game not knowing anybody except reputations, and there's these great alliances that have nice people, helpful people, and, you know, people don't get attracted to them because all the, like, you know, all the propaganda is for kind of toxic places, you know? Let's face it, PL test, you know, these places are... They're fun if that's what you're into and stuff, but if you want the stability and nice personalities and just like, you know, no stress, casual playing, which is what I look for, you know, I think Methodical has to come to mind, Blades of Grass, those kinds of Well, one of our founding tenets, uh, both within our original alliances and definitely that we carried forward into the merged TMA is, I think our number one rule is uh, no drama ever for any reason. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that's zero tolerance policy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, we, this, this is, a, you know, a lot of us are, are older, a lot of us are professionals, and this is, uh, you know, this is our entertainment. We, we invest a lot of time and energy into this, and, uh, you know, nobody, it's not worth, uh, you know, humoring a couple of people who want to come in and just kind of piss on the parade. Uh, so, you know, we definitely weed out the, the drama creators. Well, I, I'd probably move uh, somewhere in your direction if I wasn't really happy in Dice uh, with Lady Scarlet, whom you guys are, uh, you guys know, you guys are friends with, and uh, apparently, I hope this isn't uh, uh, doxing or anything, but her husband is in Methodical, isn't he? <laughs> maybe you can't say, maybe you can't say, but uh, I, you know, I blew it already, and and she says having a great time there, kind of like relearning the game. Uh, he he is absolutely awesome. We love him. Um, we love Lady. Uh, I can tell you, she's a, a personal friend of mine. Um, I just think the world of her. Uh, her husband, just as nice and wonderful as he is, uh, as she is. I mean, and and uh, yeah, we're proud to have him with us. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Lady Scarlet, by the way, is for the first time in ooh, I don't know, ten years or no less than that, of course, because E Vegas wasn't that long ago. Is going to E Vegas, so we're gonna meet there. And uh, are any of you guys gonna be there by chance? I will be there as well. I think Axe as well and Twisted, aren't you guys? Yep, I'm going. Yeah, all I'm of us. Yeah, I'll be there, and uh, I think one, two, three, four, five other people um, from either various corps in uh, TMA, the now TMA, will be there as well. Yeah, sadly, yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to make it. I, I wanted to very badly. There's a lot of people who wanted to, to meet me there and everything. I just um, have some real-life uh, things going on that prevents me from being able to leave my wife at this moment. Yeah, I uh, totally understand. And actually, you're another person that I've heard very good things about, just uh, how scrupulous you are and what a nice, consistent person you are and uh, that sort of stuff. But, I, you know, I don't want to gush all over the program about how Why? great you, you guys are. Why? You guys just keep going. 
I know. I feel like, wow, I'm treating these guys like way unfair by being so nice to them. I got to think about bad things to say. And I, the only thing I can say is they're Guardians about ready the... to get invaded by some angry, bitter people or something. Probably. <laughs> yeah. There's people out there lining up right now. Don't worry. People are going to turn. Well, you know, um, I, I don't know. Um, we used to be the alliance that had more blues than anybody else. Uh, we're not any longer because Guardians of the Galaxy, we, you know, match what they they have. And, and that sort of thing for the most part. But um, I can tell you that um, I, I hope there's not anyone that's bitter with TMA wanting to come out here and, and take us over. Um, we get along with PL, we get along with NC Dot. I know a lot of people talk a lot of crap about a lot of these alliances, um, but we've had um, great times with um, all these guys out here. It's It's been great. Well it is the older guys, isn't it? I mean, if you look at like who holds the relationships together, it's the older guys that are stable and fixtures. People know that they can work with them. Those are the guys that build the relationships between PLNC, for instance, you know, uh, Vince and Lady with Grath. You know, that's the law. Well, yeah, we're, we're friends. I mean, I'm, I know Grath. He's a good guy. I know a lot of people speak ill of him, but I've, I've never had a bad circumstance with Grath ever. And it may be just my temperament. I, I don't know. But um, uh, Lady, uh, I've heard bad things about how if you make her mad, I've never given her a reason to be mad. So um, I'm one of those people that I will tell the truth, even in Chiltea, even at um, my own uh, dismay or my own, you know, oh, demise. I will still tell you the truth and stand there and say, you know, this is it and this is what we need to do. What do you want to do? Well, I think that's another one of the kind of the things that helped helped us with the, the you know coming together with the merger also is, is that uh you know we all kind of share the same tenets as far as you know keeping to our word uh you know showing up for our allies and you know basically not being in a situation where you know we're screwing anybody over uh, uh you know so you know we, we take it very seriously um you know a lot of us have been playing for a really long time and uh you know it's just like in, in real life you know it's like you might get a a, a great short-term benefit by screwing somebody over but you know, karma's a bitch, and it, it, it will find you. It absolutely will find you, especially in Eve. People have long memories and hold grudges. Now, you guys are um, you guys are in the Alliance tournament this year, right? Correct. In fact, tomorrow morning, fourteen hundred will be meeting, and then at fifteen hundred, we'll be having our first match. Yep, ten hours away. You know, speaking of the Alliance tournament, if you don't mind, please. Okay, um, I was just going to say, I was very disappointed with the. Uh, person who created the film about they thought um this guy was going to win and this guy is going to win and and everything because um we're the loser on every match that he the both of our first matches which means we'd be out which if he'd followed the you know the alliance tournaments in the past we always surprise and at least win one and so we're planning on going further than that this year but anyway i just wanted to say i was very disappointed with him whoever he is was that was that a video or? Yeah, it's a it's a YouTube video. Got passed mm, around. I, I didn't see it. <laughs> so, you know what's great is now that's out in public, and there'll be like you know I think we get, I guess I can say this like five hundred to a thousand listeners eventually through the podcast and stuff. That's how many people will be like, oh yeah, methodical, noted. All right, let's see how they do this. Now this is this is not your first year. You guys you guys were in there at least last year, right? This is our third in a row now. Yeah. Third, yeah. 
that that guy's name, by the way, was Moderator with an M A W. Oh, Moderator. He's one of the uh, he's one of the um, tournament uh, commentators this year. Should he be placing bets if he's commentating? Well, we've always we've always had at least one commentator in the Alliance tournament that has either nothing to say about us or nothing good to say about us. <laughs> the way it's going to be. I mean, that's the way it's going to be from a lot of the teams yeah. out there, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I, I also think this is the other side of EVE when people say like, oh, it's got a great community, you know? Uh, these are the, to me, this is the kind of people that make that happen. And um, and then the people who get the attention aren't necessarily, you know, on this side of the equation. They're usually the people who are funny, but also destructive. Well, I mean, uh, I, you know, I, don't care, like I don't care what anybody says, um, you know, no, no matter how good you are, um, you try your best. The whole point of it is to be involved. I think the Alliance tournament is one of those great things for alliances. It's good to see smaller alliances get involved in it, um, you know, and just go out there and and see what it's about. It's fun to fly in, um, win or lose, and you never know what might happen. I mean, you know, you you could go deep in. I mean, yeah. The the flip side of that for me is I want to see grudge matches. You know, I sure. want to see geopolitical fights. You know, in concentrated form with stakes that are high and you can have rivalries and stuff like that. So yeah, if you just create a corp or if you just create an alliance to play in the tournament, like that's going to be less interesting for me. No, no, I don't mean that. I mean, actual, you know, like alliances throughout the year, not just groups that are set up strictly for this. Yeah. I kind of feel like, I mean, it's a, it's, I, it may not be the right way to put it, but I kind of feel like you should, it should be a null sec uh, tournament. You have to own property or no space. that could be something different but no i, I don't think i don't think you want to limit it to that because you know again there are groups out there and you know this is you know it's about group right there, there are groups out there that that um whether they own nullsec whether they stake their claim to a part of blowsec you know whether they're just a a group of roamers that own nothing and control nothing um that that's what it's about right it's about people that are kind of you know, together in some way for a longer period again these these alliances that I, are strictly formed to be elitist pvpers in I, the alliance tournament is a different story i think the people winning are not necessarily the people who are the top tier game game i don't know if they play together all the time i think they train together intensively for a certain amount of time but they're not they're not alliances they're kind of like they're kind of like combat teams and they don't rep I, they don't represent necessarily the quality of the whole alliance guys in the pl team or you know they yeah but they're a part of pl and go out and do the stuff pl does when they're not when they're not doing this you know you, you know and again pl is one of those teams that you know does a lot of theory crafting and does a does a ton of practices right um but that's only for a certain portion of the year the rest of it is yeah, they, they yeah still but those guys are year. they around the the guys that are in the tournament team are they around or do they log off for the rest of the year uh, well, I don't know. I, the ones that the ones that I know that are in there, I know that they are also around there. Who knows? There may be some guys in there that maybe this is their only shtick. Um, well, it's not. You know, the, you know, they, have, mean, they have a wide range of people that are in there. Well, PL is is uh, is a different kind of beast in that it has a, a good reputation in on the tournament, a great reputation, and it has a good reputation outside the tournament because they have capital ships. They kind of have all around. They have both sides of it. Covered. But I like you know, I like looking like at that, that list. I like looking at that list of of the you know the sixty four teams that are in there and and knowing that there are you know 
that there are these alliances that are a part of it that are a part of it because they want to find enjoyment in it not because they you know are shooting for the you know super bowl this year or you know they they just want to work together and do, you know do better than they did last year hopefully learn you know and kind of grow because it is a fun event to you know to be in whether or not you're bringing home the trophy how are you guys going to do this year um Actually, if I said what I felt, Laskar would get very upset with me. He says that uh, I, I will jinx it. So, No jinxing um, it. Don't say it. Yeah. I'll say it. <laughs> All right. Don't. Uh, we'll, we'll just. We'll be in the top 16 this year, I believe. Um, we um, actually uh, practiced probably four times more than we did last year. Um, we did practice four times, right? Bandit. You, you mean four times only or four times? Yeah, four times this year. We practiced four times, so we should be four times better than we were last year. Got it. That was the case. <laughs> I think we'll I think we'll do uh well and do uh like we normally do. We will surprise some people with some of the things that we're gonna do. I agree. I agree. Well awesome. Well, we're a little bit over, uh, so we'll wrap up really quick, but um Real quick, let's talk a little bit NullSec politics and uh, how are things going up there in the north? Uh, what, what's going on up there? Um, well, uh, NC Dot and PLs moved over into tribute uh, to uh, attack CO2. Um, they're farming them right now. Um, I guess uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, we're, we're just over where we're at right at the moment. We do go over and play around. Um, uh, so you guys aren't involved? Not completely. I, we have not deployed or anything at this point uh, over to attack CO2 or anybody else. Um, we just have been maintaining. Uh, of course, you know, uh, we're usually on the side of NC DOT, whatever they're doing. So uh, we, we uh, will not, um, you know, turn on NC DOT. So at this point, so if they call you, you'll show up. Absolutely. If NC Dot needs us, we'll be there. Ah. And Guardians of the Galaxy is doing okay despite losing what three or four alliances. The coalition. Oh, lost through. No, no, no. Um, uh, it's CD Nullis left on their own. Um, the others uh, was you know kind of removed. Yeah, it was trimming. Oh, okay. So kind of inactive. I guess. No. Uh, uh, go ahead, Axe. You. Oh. I know it was political, but that was only for short bus. I, yeah, I think it was. I think it was a best fit thing. So, <laughs> right. It was after go, going through, uh, you know, the spring and summer and seeing, you know, what worked and and what wasn't working. Uh, uh, you know, sort and the uh, alliance leadership or the coalition leadership rather, kind of made a determination as to you know who is who is going to be useful and who is going to be beneficial and who fit with the group and and whatnot and and maybe who is maybe not worth as as much. Uh, <laughs> Uh, headache and uh, so some decisions were made and uh, you know obviously there was some fallout as a result of that but uh, you know all in all it's uh, it's I think it's made the the overall group uh, a little bit stronger and uh, eliminated a lot of the that kind of internal noise so uh, personally I, I feel it's for the best so seeing like seeing uh, some alliances from your coalition leave or get uh, kind of asked to leave that hasn't shaken any of your confidence in guardians not at all. Oh. Uh, I can tell you as uh, CEO, um, no, it has not. Um, uh, I'm actually friends with Sword Dragon, have been since he was in uh, Tribute uh, with NC Dot. So 
Um, we've had a long-term relationship. I know what to expect and that sort of thing. So um, we get along extremely well. That's cool. All right, one last uh, question. Uh, uh, NullSec, back in the day, I guess I'm asking X. That, well, how's it how's it changed like in a in, in a real world way? Like what's it what's different? Well, it it went through obviously it's gone through quite a cycle. I mean, if you go all the way back to the beginning with Solve and how it was controlled by you know towers and whatnot, rather than um, having the TCUs and iHubs, etc. Uh, there's the obvious game mechanic changes that have occurred. Um, I think that uh, initially CCP was was uh, was guiding the game in a way that was encouraging blobs. I think that uh, on a certain level, I think they felt like that might be what was good for the game. Uh, I, I think a few years ago, they they kind of realized that maybe that wasn't the best thing for the game, which is where we see um, the you know sob changes with uh, the Entosis functionality, the changes to the jump uh, cal jump drive uh, ranges, and the f jump fatigue. Uh, personally, I think it's fantastic. Um, I know a lot of people in Null are really uh, bitter about that. Um, uh, you know, it's just it's just like anything. If you have a miner who's used to being able to, you know, like when they made the ice changes, you know, and you could go out and mine infinite ice and whatnot, they changed it and then they raged about it. It's the same thing with all the jump changes and, and whatnot. Um, personally, I think the the recent mechanics changes have really opened up Null to uh, the medium-sized groups uh, as well as the large groups, even some of the small groups. Um, it really makes it possible for everybody to um, have an opportunity and for everyone to, to play a to play a role. It also uh, prevents uh, groups from uh, you know holding on to more space than they can. It also prevents people from getting sedentary. Um, you know, literally one guy with a entosis link can go through and wreak havoc in an area if he if it's not defended. You know, if some guy just goes through with a tech two entosis link, you know, uncontested for two hours, I mean, he can he can cause a lot of damage or at least create a lot of timers for people. Um, so, which, you know, obviously opens up opportunities for, uh, you know, vulnerability. So personally, I think the changes have been great. Um, and, uh, I think it's a much more, uh, democratic. Yeah. Turk and I actually go ahead, uh, Bandit. So what I was going to say about that is I think I actually get a little bit more sleep now than maybe a couple years ago with, uh, <laughs> with the, uh, the timers for the TCUs and the, uh, SBUs and everything. Uh, since we can actually control when those timers are, are set. Um, and I think that's the one thing that's changed from way back in the day when I was uh, playing beta uh, before I took a couple-year break. Uh, I played for since 2003, not on this character, but on another one. And I think the one thing that I've noticed over time is the CCP has given us more time back uh, in just about most of the null sec changes that have uh, happened, you know, like way back in the day when we had to make bookmarks for everything. You know, and you sold bookmark packs, things like that. I mean, yeah, so I, I made some money that. Yeah, I did too. So <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that uh, I think that's the, the thing that I've seen is we get more do or granular things, I guess you'd say, yep. at least from my perspective. The other thing too is the uh, the intelligence. Well, have you fought a form of defensive war under the under the new sovereignty system though? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you, and you enjoyed that? I mean, it, you know, like you enjoyed it more than than the old system, or because I mean, there are some people who do, there are some people who don't. There are certain aspects aspects of it that I, I I like, and certain aspects that I do not like. I think it needs a little bit more tinkering to, uh, be better. I, I don't know that. I don't even know what to say there. I mean, intosising with a ship is like <laughs> sometimes not very fun and other times it can be because you're trying to do dodge and and whatnot but 
I don't know. Yeah, it's there, more I think it needs a little cancer deep. now versus stage four cancer. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the one thing I, I would say, especially about the entosis, that uh, again, the reason that I personally am a, I'm a big fan of it again is that it one thing that it really does is it opens up nullsec for for newer players. So when we have as a corp or as an alliance have new recruits that come in that may not have all the skill point experience. In the past, you know, it's like, oh, well, if you want to be involved in in solve mechanics, you pretty much need to be in a cap ship and show up and just blap the crap out of stuff. You know, now somebody can go in and jump in a ship, even somebody who's only two, three weeks old. I mean, you can throw in a griffin and they can go out and jam somebody who's trying to toast one of your nodes. Um, you know, and you don't need a lot of skill points to be able to run an entosis link. And so everybody can can be can contribute, whether it's a supporting fleet or actually doing the toasting. Um, I personally like it. It's more of a guerrilla warfare type uh, situation because it's not just a blob fleet and one target. It's it's an entire constellation and, and fleets moving around and, and you know breaking up into subfleets to chase people around. So I personally prefer it uh, a lot over the old mechanics. Yeah, just to, to back that up, I prefer it over the old mechanics. I just think it needs, yeah, we need to, the cancer cure versus uh, stage one versus stage four there. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one thing uh, Dirk and I say to each other every once in a while is like eve used to be such a like you know it didn't look that great um it kind of had it was buggy but people played the hell out of it like what now i guess people are playing it but it's it's like it seems very self-conscious uh playing it back then it seems like uh, the graphics weren't that important the fact that the the, the planets looked like you know balls in space and the, the uh, nebulas were in some cases, really, really red, like they would, or really green uh, or blue. They just were nothing. It didn't. The game didn't look as good as it does now, but people still played the heck out of it. So, what was that, man? It's because Eve, it's because Eve was never based on really what it looked like. It it, it was how it behaved. Right. Well, I agree. The, it's the the combination of the spreadsheets in space, but I think especially at the beginning, the first several years, there was so much opportunity. For for players to be able to go out and, and, and really carve their own niche. And uh, before everybody and their uncle had, you know, 200 million skill points, uh, you know, being being specialized, like if you had an industry player and you were maxed out on all of your industry skills, you might not be able to fly anything, but, you know, you could, you could really, you know, corner markets as far as, uh, you know, being able to build more efficiently than other people. I think that's one of the things that maybe is, I think over the years, I think CCP's kind of rounded some of the sharp edges off of the, off the game, you know, with their market balancing and, and, uh, and and whatnot, but they've also done a really good job on uh, introducing content and also, um, you know, adding new mechanics to keep things interesting. There's definitely been some some doldrums. There's been some areas where things were were lagging a bit, um, but by and by and large, I think at the beginning it was really the fact that you could specialize, and if you really you know trained specifically, you could be a specialist and and be unique. It's a little bit harder now, uh, just because there are so many people with large skill points, and obviously with the skill injectors now. You know, it doesn't take anything other than a credit card to be able to, you know, be fairly decent at whatever it is that really floats your boat. But, uh, you know, pros and cons. It's a really good point. Although you could use money to leverage, you know, I mean, the Red Overlord, I think, bought an entire capital fleet with real money, one guy for his alliance. But maybe it was, you're right, The um, there seemed to be still a rat race and you could get good at something and make your mark. So that was kind of the psychology was... Eve is a place where you make your mark. Right. Hey, you could actually build a reputation. Is. Yeah, and it it is. I mean, you're right, man. It it is still that. It's just it it's it's morphed into 
into a different thing rather than at the beginning eve was a lot more about the individual players and individual reputations i can remember way back in the day you know individual pilots would get called out for you know how many kills they had and uh, it, was, it was a lot less about the corporations and whatnot of course this is back before you could even do an alliance so um you know it, it, and that's part of that's part of i think ccp's shift in the middle years of going from the individuals to you know creating the alliances and then the alliances being able to do the blobs and getting so big and then realizing that maybe they've gone a little too far with that and and looking to kind of diversify the game again so uh you know uh, the good old days are always the days that are a little bit further beyond your reality i think that's what they say well i don't know i i the long-term player like i said i've been playing this game for 13 years now and you know there's a reason I'm, I'm still playing here i mean it's i've taken eve breaks i've i've gone and just personally just gone and and you know care bared in high sec for a couple of months just doing market whoring but you know the game keeps you interested they're they're they do a good job of of, of really providing a range of content and the you know the reality is is that eve isn't about eve it's it's the meta game it's it's all of the the stuff behind the scenes it's the relationships between individual players people in corps the corps to the alliances alliances to each other the coalitions all the politics you know it's 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 really about that so that that that's kind of all great background i still think that it really comes down to who you play with every day yeah you know, you know who you play with um if they're enjoying the game and you're enjoying the game with them you will continue to to you know to to go on um it, it makes it a hell of a lot easier um the people that you that you play with um you can you know you can even begin to get tired of certain aspects of it but it will be those others that will tend to carry you on until you know, you know hopefully you, know, you find enjoyment doing whatever it is you're doing yep definitely and it sounds like and it sounds like you guys have what you know and this is i'm gonna go back to you know saying geez what sounds like a really nice place you guys are at it sounds like you guys have a place where where there is this kind of um positive view of you know that kind of permeates the alliance in some ways so you think we should change the alliance name to tma the utopia <laughs> <laughs> don't jinx it <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I agree I mean, with you, Derek. I'm I'm sorry. I, I I do agree with you, Derek. I I think that um, it's very important who you play with every day. Um, that's why we kind of build this so that we're friends and family. Um, this is my extended family, and uh, I try and take care of all the problems. Uh, so does each one of these guys that are in here with me. They they all try and take care of um, our people's problems. So we're we're not untouchable like in some alliances. The the head leadership you know, doesn't want to hear from the, the guy in the corp, you know, we don't care. We, we try and hear everybody's problems. We try and take care of them because we're real people. We also focus a lot of our energy from a management standpoint on, uh, you know, freeing up as much of our players time as possible so that they can, they can focus on the things that they want to do because it is a game for people. It's their entertainment. It's how they get away from, you know, their job or whatever else that, uh, that they're doing. It's so we try to make sure that that time is, is not cluttered up with a lot of BS. So, you know, we actively work on trying to make sure that a lot of the logistics stuff is taken care of um, and that things are organized and, and structured in such a way that people can really focus on those activities that are of interest to them. So that's awesome. All right, guys. Um, Dirk, uh, did you want to say anything about uh, before we depart here? Anything about your your T-shirts? No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, I, I tweeted something out today about about the 
it's actually a really cool feature. Yeah. It's going to be out at Vegas this year. So, um, um, I'm, and I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to get CCP to let me sell it at cost. Um, cause I know that there are going to be people who aren't in Vegas. I've got some to give away out there. Um, and, uh, and I will do that, you know, kind of out of pocket. Um, but I know that there are people who aren't going that like we're saying today, oh my God, I want that. Well, I'm trying to work out something with CCP where they'll, they'll let me do something through the, uh, the distributor, uh, who, you know, who made, who made the shirt. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like over pimp that or anything. What I do want to pimp though, is the beginning of the Alliance tournament tomorrow for people. Um, it begins at 1200 Eve time, uh, which for the people who are probably listening live right now, they're probably more associated with, uh, the U S which is like 8 AM East coast time. Um, it will be, it will be, um, aired on, uh, CCP's Twitch channel, which will, uh, have ISD coverage, which will just be the video. Um, although they will have the Alliance tournament advertisements, which I know a lot of people like to watch, but there won't be any commentary. If you're looking for commentary, uh, you may want to go check out the uh, uh, Eve NT Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Eve underscore NT. Um, they are not only going to have commentary that begins a half an hour before the actual tournament does, um, but they are all... They actually also have their own um, their own camera views from within the from within the um, the tournament area. So um, they're kind of running, you know, you know, their whole thing. So this this first weekend, if I had to make a recommendation, I'd say go to the EventT Twitch site because uh, you get the commentary from some people who you know know kind of what's going on and that sort of thing. That's cool. All right, and good luck to you guys uh, tomorrow. You guys have a match. We do. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, it's been great being on here. Uh, I really like uh, you guys, so thank you again for inviting us. Thanks for having Our us. Our pleasure. We'll we'll, uh, we'll have you back uh, another time. Uh, it is uh, Twisted, um, Axe, Bandits, and Targamar. Thank you guys, the Methodical Alliance, for showing up, and um, we will definitely look forward to seeing how you do this. Uh, Ooh, they got out, they got tournament. out of sight first round. <laughs> well, tough matches, but I guess they've been practicing four times as hard as they did last year. So. <laughs> we'll see how they. I meant we'd practice four times this year. <laughs> oh, I see. All right, that wraps up our show for tonight. We'll see you all next week on Talking In Stations. Take care.